Welcome to Biblical Brainstorm, the Seth and Chandler podcast. Uh, this podcast is one I've been looking forward to for a while. We have our first interview, and before I get to him, I'm Seth. This is Chandler, my man Chandler. What's up, Chandler? Nothing much, man. Just uh, I was telling these guys I finished finals right, be- literally right before I made this stream. I uh, I finished my final paper, so I am nice. now in summer mode, and uh, yeah, I'm ready. Nice. Ready for vacation. Time of the year. So not only not only are we streaming out of Jacksonville and Dallas, Texas, but we are now streaming out of Lakeland, Florida, more specifically Southeastern University. And now would be a good time to welcome our friend and former teammate Jacob Carter. What's up, Jacob? What's up, guys? It is a privilege to be on here with you guys today. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm hoping our important. internet uh, holds holds up during this stream. Listen. SU's got a lot of great things. The Wi-Fi is not one of them. So hopefully it holds up. <laughs> yeah, I'm here on, on a campus Wi-Fi as well. So I'm hoping with the summer, with students gone, that it puts less strain on us so that, yep. you know, the summer will have some pretty good streams. But of course. Pray, praying tonight, no glitches. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah. Well, hopefully awesome. that hopefully that will stand up. But <clears throat> So, yeah, like I said, if you guys have been following um, the Instagram and uh, Facebook page for the podcast – I put a little bit of Jacob's um, accomplishments, his accolades and whatnot on there. So Jacob was a teammate of ours at Southeastern. All three of us played football at Southeastern. We went Southeastern. Um, In Lakeland, Florida. Yes. Me and Jacob actually played high school football together. We did. So we go back more than Southeastern, which we'll probably get to that, but a lot of good memories there. And then Um, I jumped in as the third wheel, you know, halfway through. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. Me and Jacob, we went to the first time I met Chandler. Me and Jacob were going to Southeastern for a recruiting trip, and yep. uh, we were just hanging out on the sideline. Chandler was there for the same thing for a spring scrimmage, and we got yep. talking. And that's when we, we all first. We kind of got special treatment that day as well. We, we did. Were like on the yeah, we did. Time. Was, <laughs> I remember. That was the perfect. That was Chandler, fun. was that the same trip that me and you went down and my GPS wasn't working and I picked you up in Gainesville, or was that a different one? Um. We did go to a Starbucks and your GPS wasn't working in Lakeland. Yes. I was didn't remember s- that. We all had to stay the night in South Point. I don't know if it was. It was oh, like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. Good time, I remember time. I lost my card. Like, the, you know, the, the card that you stay in the dorm that night? I lost yeah. it completely. And I was like, oh, the one thing they said. I don't even know if I told you guys the story. I don't remember. So, you, Internet World is getting it, you know, free of charge here. So, uh, I remember the first day they sat us in and they're like, just don't lose these items. Gave the whole check-in procedure. Like, that's it. You know, I had my bag. Literally lost my card. I'm like, I'm literally Dang. dead. This is the <laughs> worst first impression ever. Uh, and I'm just praying, like, God, please, there's no, like, let me find this card. So I, I then go through and, you know, like Aventura and like Esperanza, like those dorms in the middle yeah. and you go through the double doors and you keep going through campus. Mm-hmm. So I went through one of them. And I'd never gone through this door before. Like, I had never gone through that part of the building before. I'd always go around, at, you know, during these two days I was staying there. And I go through, I go to the restroom real quick, and I change. Um, and I see my card laying there right in the bathroom floor. Nice. And I'm like, <laughs> what? That was a, so, all right. That was a little so, god wink right there. Like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and so I ne- nobody ever knew because it's just like everything was normal. But um, yeah, <laughs> God's got my back. I have no idea go. if it just how it got there. Like if somebody stole it or accidentally picked it up, or it just felt like. But I was never in that location before. I had never. <laughs> went, that was the first time in that bathroom. Aliens. So 
Yeah, as anyway. well. Oh, <laughs> another conversation for the other day. <laughs> yeah, that'll be you know, another podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, man, yeah. so we, uh, yeah, we got we got some some history at Southeastern University, and we since do. Southeastern, uh, Jacob's gone on to do uh, youth ministry, and you are now at Dream Church in Bradenton. Yes, sir. That the right, that's ten, the right name, right? Yeah, Dream Church. Uh, about 10 months in to youth ministry. So we started in the middle of a pandemic. Um, yeah. oh, wow. <laughs> we, can get into that. we can get into that more later. I met hey, my, Florida, you know, they, they have less restrictions, you know. It's so, true. Okay. I did meet my kids through Zoom, though. So it's like, oh, wow. uh, hey, you're getting a new youth pastor. And then one day I sent out a Zoom link. Hi, I'm your pastor now. How are you doing? <laughs> Man, wow. that's, a tough, that's a tough way so, to get into it. Oh, yeah. But I mean, you guys, it looks like you guys have been doing really good, though. I mean, from your social media and everything. And I know you guys just finished up competing at Fine Arts, uh, which is the um, Assemblies of God kind of um, competition that they do with like music, arts, yeah. um, you know, preaching, things like that. So, the Fine Arts. The Finer Arts. <laughs> but no, right, we, yeah. we uh, when our pastor kind of took over the church, the church had 46 um, people. And uh, okay. in about 10 months, um, we hit actually on Easter, we hit 300. Nice. And so we've seen wow. big church growth. Youth ministry, I awesome. think, I think the first Zoom we did, there was like 12 people on, but there were like five or six leaders on as well. Okay. Um, but our biggest night, we've had 73. We're kind of averaging like, um, like 35 ish. So okay. it's a good time. We have our, yeah. our third invite night tomorrow night. And nice. so uh, I did see those announcements. Just the nice. goal is everyone bring one friend and then let's try to hit 75. And if we hit 100, I'll shave my head or diet. So, uh, <laughs> oh, man. What color? The, the, uh, it would probably be like a platinum or a blonde. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that would kind of work. Yeah. I can't do like so, a purple or pink because it'd just be like. Not gone. like a red for Southeastern or anything? No, go fire, but not no. that much. <laughs> Not that right, much so, yeah. so for those joining in now, uh, the way it's going to work today is um, we're going to go through kind of, I guess, your testimony a little bit, uh, things with just like football, Southeastern experience, um, you going to grad school, that, and then, you know, landing and kind of youth pastor. And at the end, uh, if you guys want to ask some questions, there will be a little bit of time at the end if you want to, you know, ask a question to us or, or Jacob. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of go from there. Um, so yeah, if you guys want to want to go ahead and drop your questions now or wait till the end, uh, you know, I'll save them, but yeah. Or if you have anything that you point out in the conversation, we can always pull up, uh, you know, comments like this for those joining in. Like What's my dad, up, he says, hi. Hey, Sean. And, and he says, go bald or go home. Hey, <laughs> I mean, he is bald if, now. Yeah. So that makes sense. If and, I do start balding, I'm just going to shave it all off, grow a beard, and then just rock it. You know, there you go. Yeah. Just rock it. <laughs> I, then, mean, uh, I, did, I did go bald there a little bit uh, for um, the fall and the winter. And I got to say, did. it was, it was kind of nice. I kind of liked it. It's just it's like one I've, less thing to worry about. I've hit like every spectrum of hair length except growing it really long. So I'm growing it really long right now. So I kind of missed the bald, but I mean, I haven't done the long hair yet. So I'll see how Are that you goes. trying to go for like a, like a profit look? <laughs> I mean, you know. It's, okay. it's one of them things. <laughs> I, think, do you? I think they had the Apostle Paul movie and he was bald. So, Oh, yeah, that's true. Remember that? <laughs> uh, by the way, so, uh, you know, one of our 
favorite YouTube fans. Yes. <laughs> the, the camera is different today. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying a new thing. You know, I got a new webcam. I was using two cam or two laptops to do my filming. So I got a new webcam. I'm still kind of working with it. So if you hate it, let me know. If it's good, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> I'll keep working with it, move it around, see what I think. Uh I just got it the other day, so I haven't had really a lot of time to experiment with it yet, but hopefully it's not too bad. Yeah. But and then yeah. we're we're also if you didn't notice we're repping Southeastern yeah. University since you know I I went there for a year and uh, <laughs> it's okay you're you're representing your church so yeah well you're in Southeastern so I mean you I am, I'm in shirt. one of the buildings at SU you right can literally now, just so. you know point to the point in a logo or something just point to the like, ceiling that's SU <laughs> go fire <laughs> true true Man. good advertising yeah there we go all right uh, so um. If you want to introduce yourself at first, I guess we can start with that. You know, yeah. we've yeah, already pretty that. much covered it, but you know, what you know, who are you? What's your story? You know, um, who is this man? On who is screen? this man? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's. I'll jump right into it. I guess I. I'll, I never want to like be like the cookie cutter, sugar cut kind of person. You know what I mean? So I'm just going to be real. Uh, so Jacob Carter, I am finishing up a grad assistantship at SEU. Um, so I've been working here for the past few years and about 10 months ago stepped into my first youth ministry position um did i say 10 years i meant 10 months um 10 <laughs> months ago stepped into my first i was like man you look a lot you know uh, looking pretty so, young there for... oh my goodness but yeah so i i came to seu what six years ago seth uh chandler mm. at the same time um we kind of we kind of met like in the transition phase of high school to, to seu kind of in those yeah. recruiting days and um you know i i don't know about you guys seu was pretty formative for me um, I feel like I knew who I was until I got to SEU and then kind of like had an identity crisis and was like, ah, right. what am I going to yep. do? Everyone looks different and acts different. And what am I going to do? And Very. of course I was like, I'm going to just change who I am. And so college was really formative in me trying to figure out who I am as a person and who kind of God's called me to be. Um, but go back a long ways to the very beginning. Um, grew up in a house. My dad was a kids pastor and youth pastor for the longest time. And so I remember like being in the church all the time and, uh, um, it was great. I used to sleep in the church van on church trips. You know how there's like a crevice in the church van in between the doors. Yeah, and, uh, right, yeah right. I used to put a sleeping bag in there. And oh, wow. thinking back, thinking back now, it's probably the most unsafe thing I've ever done. The door <laughs> opens, like you're gone. Um, wow. but was always in the church and kind of like things that I, I'll just do like three like I guess pillars of my walk kind of yeah, yeah. made sure. me into who I am. Um, and they're not great. I mean, they're not like happy go lucky. They're just like life stuff. Um, right. But during the time where my, my parents were in ministry, um, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents and I still have a wonderful relationship with, with all my grandparents that are, that are living right now. But, um, shout out to me during <laughs> Meemaw is the bomb grant, granny Merle. You guys are the best. <laughs> Love y'all so much. Um, but, uh, in that I got really close to my grandparents and spent a lot of time with my grandpa. And when I was, I believe six, we were out at, um, out at lunch together at this little pier six restaurant, you know, you know, pier six, right? Seth? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. but never heard of uh, it. <laughs> Never. It is. You get you get your you get your fish fried twice. That's what you do when you go there. Um, is this in Jacksonville? Like no, it's just in McClendon. Yeah, yeah. A little small town family place. So, yeah. so Seth and Jacob are from the same town as well. Yep. Thus, yes. obviously playing. So if we make football. if we make inside jokes, we'll try to explain them as well. We can. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so just I went to Pier Six a lot with my grandpa, and unfortunately, like. Um, I was six years old and my grandpa had a heart attack in front of me and just passed away right across the table. Wow. And mm -hmm. that when you're six and you're trying to figure stuff out, you know, that's traumatizing. It kind of shapes the way that you view the world and you think that, wow, like, uh, is it my fault that 
that my people went away? Like, is it is it my fault that any of this happened? And so you can ima only imagine how like it scars um, a six year old. So moving past that, I kind of developed a little anxiety as a kid, always looking around for my brother. Um, but it's kind of funny, even in that, like, I feel like one of my biggest spiritual gifts is to be a shepherd. Mm -hmm. um, and in that, all that chaos, I began to take on a role. Is even like a six, seven year old, like of shepherding my brother and making sure that he was taken care of. And even yeah. though I only had one sheep, I wanted to make sure that my sheep was okay. Um, and yeah. so my brother became that person and um, kind of had to walk through that at an early age. I was obsessive over making sure he was safe, um, but still kind of early on saw that shepherding role kind of taking place. Um, and then move on to third grade. My mother actually had a miscarriage um, at 30 weeks. And once again, that fuels the what is what is what is God trying to do in my life? Like, is this why would God take away the people who are closest to me, the people that I care about? Like, is it me? Am I the problem? And obviously kind of dealt with some things. And the Lord was gracious in dealing with my heart as I kind of moved into adolescence and into puberty, into adulthood. Um, and then Seth uh, Chandler, you both know about this. But um, and when I was a freshman in high school, my youth pastor actually got killed mm -hmm. in a car accident. Um, and Todd was probably the first man other than my father to really like invest into my life and say like, Hey, I'm going to come alongside you and help you see the greatness that's in you and also yeah. point you to Jesus. And so losing that for me for another loop. And I'm like, God, like, like, what are you, what are you trying to do in all this? Like you're taking away the people, the mentor figures in my life. My grandpa mm -hmm. was like, was like a second dad. Um, and then Todd was like another fatherly figure in my life. Um, but all of that. And even before that, I remember specifically, and this kind of is cool because it leads us to where we are right now. Um, I was going to quit football after really? my freshman year. I was going to quit football, hmm. and there was another quarterback that had come in from out of from uh, oh, another yeah. another county, and um, he ended up winning the starting job freshman year. And I was going to quit. And the week before Todd got killed in a car accident, he said, "Jacob, he's like, you can't quit. You can't quit this because you have a future in it. It's like, don't let mm -hmm. this don't let this shortcoming right now affect what could happen in the future." And that small conversation didn't know how instrumental it would be because I ended up to go play football, ended up playing at Southeastern, which has opened up so many doors. Mm -hmm. um, now I get to work with President Engel here and I, I met the pastor that I work under now because of SCU stuff. And so yeah. it's cool that that one conversation about, hey, you need to play football, opened the door for me to come to a school that I wouldn't have been able to come to otherwise. So mm -hmm. um, I guess that's like that's like my – backstory to where I am now. So if you want me to jump anything else, like along those lines, yeah. just let me know. Well, like, so the, I guess those three pillars, like, obviously those are like challenging situations and like you're forced to like come to terms with big questions at an early age. Do you think that um, it ever, I know it was challenging, but did it ever challenge your faith? Uh, like, do oh, you yeah. think you ever questioned like, you know, other you know questions on top of that and just like where you are because obviously you came out stronger and you mm -hmm. like you said but even um the youth pastor it's like mm -hmm. that to you know to keep continuing on and to play football and and do all that and, and yeah. your brother and all that it's like obviously you, you came out of it better uh mm -hmm. but in the moment do you think it was uh you know 100 man there's moments and i i don't think that I think that all of us wrestle with our faith. If you've never said, God, are you real? Or God, why are you doing this to me? I don't know if you're actually wrestling with him, right? Mm -hmm. I think that the way that Jacob wrestled in the Bible is, I mean, Jacob wrestled to a point where his hip was, you know, messed up for life. Um, That's a good point. You yeah. know, I, I just, I think that that wrestling is what shapes us. Um, mm -hmm. That wrestling is what's allowed, is, is what, and it, it even like, I think of a struggle, wrestling a struggle, like a struggle. Mm -hmm. If you're not struggling, you're not fighting, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like if you're not, if you're not doing that. So 
obviously it really tests it, like, what you actually believe exactly exactly mm -hmm. and in a way it, this might sound kind of um nihilistic which i'm not trying to sound that way at all um, but i i have an affinity for ecclesiastes right mm -hmm. vanity of anything <laughs> vanity of vanity yeah, everything yeah. vanity like yeah. in the big scheme of thing like life's gonna happen and the word for vanity in hebrew correct me if i'm wrong is hebel or hevel um and it's like a vapor it's like a mist um mm -hmm. and that that metaphor is like life is it can look as if it's right in front of you, but you reach out to grab it and there's really nothing there. Yeah. Um, it's almost, and I know it sounds kind of nihilistic and I'm not trying to be that way, but it's like stuff in life's going to happen for reasons that I can't explain and what I can do. And I feel like the conclusion of Ecclesiastes is just to honor, honor the Lord while you're young and while your hands mm -hmm. can still work, just do what you can for him. And so me kind of viewing certain things in life as just vanity or hevel or vapor has kind of helped me realize that there, there's a bigger picture. And yeah. even though I can't see it, right? Even though the smoke, the vapor, the mirrors, it, it looks like a, it looks, it, I can't make it. It makes sense of it sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but I know that there's bigger purpose in all of it. Um, mm -hmm. And so living for a life beyond this one, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I hope that, hope that kind of makes a little yeah. sense. It's funny because like, it made me think of the name Israel itself, meaning like one who struggles with God. It's like, yeah. uh, he even changed his, name, <laughs> changed his name to that, which is pretty funny. Yep. But yeah, it's, some cool parallel there. And it's so and funny to me that the word, the name Jacob is deceiver or heel grabber. It's just still <laughs> funny. <laughs> Who would name their child that? I don't know. Thanks, Donna. And the, <laughs> thanks, thanks, mom. <laughs> Shout out, Miss Donna. But uh, and, and but all on a you know more, I guess a more selfish note. The, the other your conversation with Pastor Todd, if anything, worked out good for us because I, I though I'm I say I'm from McClenny. I I wasn't born and. Uh, didn't grow up here. I moved here my uh, junior year of high school. So me and uh, Jacob have been friends since my junior year. But if he would have stopped playing football his freshman year, then we wouldn't have even probably wouldn't have even met because I was That's homeschooled. True. I didn't go wow. to high school. So I never you know. thought of that. Look and then I wouldn't idea. have met either one of you guys if that yeah. was the yeah. case. So crazy. Out <laughs> yeah. Go, go Todd. Todd, you're yeah. the man. Thanks, homie. <laughs> but yeah i remember coming in uh my first the first week or two of the training and everything summer workouts and all that looking around and i remember seeing you and realizing that you were you know somebody important i just didn't know what position you were or what you did i just knew you were kind of there <laughs> and i remember after uh practice i think this is before we actually started talking like we were coming out of the gym and you know that's when you were you gave me and my brother our nicknames jim and tim jim and tim <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know your brother played football with you yeah oh, he played he um he played up until i graduated and then after i graduated oh okay interesting so so yeah one of my favorite yeah we were jim and tim for a little while yeah, one of my favorite memories from high school football is when we did that two point conversion against Paxton, and or against Paxton, and oh, was John it? was the. You remember that John? Oh was yeah. The guy who, uh, yeah, yeah. I was, I was block. I was blocking for him. We were in the wasn't it like a muddle formation, and they uh, had him run around, and he just kind of we blocked for him, and he just ran right behind us, and we just kind of yep. pushed everybody over. <laughs> I think it uh, knocked me out for a second. Yeah, yeah. Well. You're like frozen on my screen, so hold on. Let me. We can hear you though. Okay. I just can't see you. <laughs> hold up. Bye. Let me. Let me see. Man, still frozen. Do you see him good though? I so? can't see him. No. Oh, can you hear me, guys? Still though. But we can hear. Yeah, you. Yeah, I can. I can okay. hear you. 
So we always got the video cut out. <laughs> but yeah, I remember those. You know, that 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 was an interesting not freshman year, but junior year. <laughs> but yeah, we uh, I know we had a, some issues with our head coach, and then we got a new head coach our senior year, and man, it was a lot of stuff going on. But yeah, but I remember the they tried they took us to uh, Fernandina for a summer workout um, junior year, and they pretty much tried to kill us but we survived that was <laughs> and, insanity uh, absolute insanity yeah. <laughs> it was like it was like a navy seal inspired workout they said and it was you know they worked us out in the sand they got us there at like sunrise and we went for like three hours and they also revealed the new uniforms which was kind of cool but yep uh yeah, they they tried to kill us there for a couple hours, but on the bus ride back, that was the first time. That was the first conversation me and Jacob ever had because we were like sitting either across each other from the on the school bus or diagonally or something close enough we could talk. So that's when me and Jacob actually first started talking, and then uh, after that, you know, being teammates and everything, saw each other every day at practice and that kind of stuff. So yeah, so that's hey, where our help? relationship started. Would it help if I left really quick and came back in? Because yeah. Yeah, you can uh, you can drop out and, and join in. All right. Well, well <laughs> let me let me pull out some of the comments real quick. So uh, right. <laughs> there's a there's a, a kid in my one of my classes. Uh, I'm a you know I'm a teacher as well. So um, he's like, I'm just tuning in so my kid gets extra credit in Chandler's class. <laughs> well, hey, whatever works. What up? <laughs> that'd be that's hilarious. Whatever works. <laughs> yeah. My dad, extra credit. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> extra credit. Yeah. Um, let's see what some of these. Uh, relax. The internet will work itself out. Yes. Well, yeah, <laughs> well, it's working we itself it. out now. That's pretty good. Yeah. Here we go. Um, I'll wait to. Well, here. This one's kind of relatable. So mo- most people see an angel and in fear and awe, and not Jake. He body slams the angel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Oh, man. That's and funny. then. Uh, yeah, let me some Jacob Carter proud uh, of all these, all three that, of these great men. That's, God. that's Bishop, Pastor, Pope, Dan, the third. <laughs> Father Dan. Father Dan. <laughs> There's a uh, couple times where we had Jacob over overnight, and uh, you know, we'd take some uh, pictures with his phone because he left it in the kitchen to charge overnight. So we would, you know, bombard his phone. Met who leaves their phone in a different room than they sleep in. And it's yes. kind of genius, but you do leave yourself susceptible to uh, things happening. Uh, so. uh, <laughs> Such as like rapid fire selfies and whatnot of oh, eating yes. Oreos and things at oh, three yes. in the morning. I also, my, would, my uh, go ahead, Jenna. I said my little sister used to do that. I'd take my phone and run with it. Selfies. selfies. <laughs> oh, okay. I also used to, uh, you, you guys always had that whiteboard on your fridge. Yes. And always write the most random stuff. <laughs> I, th- I don't know if we have pictures of any of those, but I got to see if I can find some. Oh, but, such yeah. good memories. But, yeah. Then we then we finally ended up working our way to SEU uh, in the fall. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up. Yeah, and that was uh, that was an interesting year. I mean, we were both there after freshman year. Me and Chandler split, and we went different places. Jacob, you stayed all four years. Um, but freshman year, man, that was that was interesting, fun, but you know, a lot of things. Fall camp, a lot of memories. Yeah, Ooh. that was. I, some of the toughest. I, I thought that Fernandina workout was bad. That was a whole month of worse. <laughs> and you guys had less running because, you know, you played quarterback and you played line. So it was just as hard, but, you know, you weren't running on top of that. You, you were running routes all the time. And- yeah, I, I switched to receiver when I went to college. And so I was in much better shape then than I am now. I was probably like, I was actually about 35 pounds lighter then, mm, which is crazy. Really? 
Yeah, I mean, it was just pure lean muscle, just, yeah. you know, and I was much, much faster. But, yeah, just the grueling Jacob sun. was pretty chiseled, too. Uh, I was about uh, 60 pounds lighter, 50 pounds lighter. <laughs> <laughs> so, someone yeah. the other day, some the other day, I told them I played football, and they were like, what were you, D-lineman? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like boy, Touché. Jacob was the man. He was the QB, you know, dating all the girls and getting all the pictures taken and magazines, autographs, all that good crap. At least in Baker, you were. <laughs> But also in SEU, so, you know. <laughs> no, I, I remember the turf field was so hot that when they put Ooh. the gun, you know, the heat gun on the black like the temperature. part of the – Yeah, because the field was green, but the end zones were, were black with the mm. red um, letter, you know, fire. And on the black turf, it was 180 one day. Yes. Mm. And I yeah, was I, like I, – I had one practice where both of my cleats fell apart. Seriously? Yeah, just melted on the, the glue on the literally melted off the bottom of both of them, and the bottom of them literally just fell off. And I was like walking around yeah. with socks on. Some guys went to the hospital; mm. they passed out. Just, I mean, August yeah. exhaustion in yeah. Lakeland is oh, yeah. brutal. Brutal. Yeah. Two day practices. Fall, fall camp in college is the closest thing uh, to hell on earth we will ever experience. <laughs> <laughs> just be very. I, I probably came this close to having heat exhaustion one time, but other than that, you know, yeah. I was I was able to manage. But man, still. I was I was talking to someone about this the other day. And conditioning in college, like it yeah. wasn't as terrible as it was in high school, at least because we had the sand pit and Coach Olkowski. Like, oh, yeah. It was brutal. It was brutal. Yeah, that um, was rough. But I remember running striders and oh, tears, I loved those actually. <laughs> tears flowing down my eyes because I'm in such pain, and I'm to do these, and I'm just, <laughs> just <laughs> at Southeastern. Yeah, yeah. So, I love. I, I remember oh, Seth man. was like. You're what is wrong with you? Because that, that was the only time in practice. Like, like I just had so much energy. I don't know at that time in my life. Like I run and I run. That was the only thing I was good just running. Uh, not now. Like I couldn't even run a whole, one strider. But yeah. then I'll, yeah. after practice on these, you know, hundred yard just sprints, yeah. I'd be like, oh, that was just fine. <laughs> nope, I mean, for a little me. while there, they changed it up, like the conditioning, but like for the first few weeks. But then after that, they just had us run like, what was it, 10 hundreds after practice? Yep. Yep. So, uh, you remember man. the Pittsburghs? Yeah. Pittsburgh's. And that was on Sundays after a game. Yes. <laughs> so, we, I don't know why we, they did that, but we did not take a Sabbath at SEU. No. I, I remember when no. we first showed up there, they made us run eight laps around the track. Oh, my God. Or no, seven laps around the track. <laughs> In twelve minutes, in twelve conditioning minutes. test, in twelve minutes, terrible. and I remember running at, like at the start of it, and everybody's taking off, and I'm just running regular pace. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna fail this. Like you got these corners, <laughs> we're just running. They ended up burning out a lot of them, but some of them didn't. And I, you know, I, I'm just running, and I'm just like, I knew by the second lap, I'm like, I cannot keep this pace, and somehow I did the whole time. I thought I was gonna die, but I. <laughs> I made the line, and right after I crossed the line, the whistle blew, and it's like, it's done! No, the cutoff! And everybody behind, I remember you, Jacob, were behind me. And and you didn't make the cut of the... I have have never been so defeated in my life. First day. It's like, not even the first practice yet. Just first day, we show up, we go there that night. (laughs) Running this conditioning test. I barely made it. You're behind me. You didn't make yeah. it. What? For those people who didn't make it, aka me, we had extra conditioning before practices. The next day, we already had conditioning after practices. It was like early conditioning. It was like punishment for not coming ready yeah. to camp, even though running 
three point or one point seven five miles in twelve minutes. That doesn't really what? translate. What? Yeah. <laughs> it, hey, but, there's a method yeah. behind the madness, I guess. But you know, some Good memories. <laughs> Great. It was like it was like arriving to boot camp, though. It was. It oh, was. One hundred percent was. And then uh, you know, the you're listening to this. We're not bashing college football. Totally no, do it. It's a great. Yeah, do it. It's great. <laughs> it's great. Definitely you'll be super fit. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was I was a really good. I ended up being a good runner. Now I don't run, but I was one of the faster linemen. Even though you know the start, most of the starters, you know, a couple of them were the fastest, but I was like in the top three. So that was for a while. I got good at running, but not so much. Seth, I have to put you on blast for a second, my friend. Okay, <laughs> I remember I remember this meeting that you showed up to, and I wasn't there. But you know, you know, SEU, we, we were hipsters, you know what I mean? Right. So we were we rocked them skinny jeans. But oh, yeah. I, apparently <laughs> there was there was a meeting that you showed up to like dressed to a T and you had some skinny pants <laughs> oh, on. Oh my gosh, I remember this. Coach <laughs> Blank, like threw something on the ground and was like, Shut, pick it up. And you like couldn't reach out <laughs> because your pants were so tight. No, I did. So uh so we went we were doing it was a lineman meeting, we were going over stuff in the classroom, and then we went to the gym for something. We, thankfully we when we were working out, but went to the gym for something. And he's like, pick up that medicine ball. <laughs> and so I, I had stretchy jeans on. They're American Eagle jeans, so they stretch. So I squatted down, picked it up, no problem. And they just kind of laughed. And he's like, the only the only stretchy pants we wear around here are the ones we wear on the field. So don't wear those to a uh, team meeting again. <laughs> Did I tell you about uh, the but team was, meeting the only, that I missed? The only, reason, the only reason I dressed like that is because I was going to church. Like, as soon as that was done, I was getting in the car going to church. But yeah, I don't yeah. think he cared, so I didn't even mention it. But uh, <laughs> By the way, we promise we'll, we'll bring this down to, to biblical stuff, man. Pretty soon, but, but we have to go through these, you know, right, yeah. stories. But uh, I, I missed. Well, I was late to one meeting, and this was crazy because this was, um, you know, a couple weeks in, right? And usually mm-hmm. they tell you we have a position meeting the next day on Tuesday practice. To oh, we'll have a Wednesday meeting because sometimes we don't. But my position coach didn't let us know that we had a meeting the next day at, uh, you know, at eight or seven. Yeah, and so <laughs> I wake up to this text and I'm on the bottom bunk and I had this little stretch man thing holding my phone and I just wake up and you know, the squid remain where you just, your eyes first <laughs> open. I just see a text from coach at seven Oh three that says, where are you? Ooh. And, I, and I just remember so fast. I like got a shirt on, got socks on, got shoes on, grabbed my phone, got out the door, locked my door and ran all the way from Bauer to the B and E building where the meeting was. Mm. fastest I've ever done any of that in my life because when I sat down breathing heavy and I checked my phone right when I sat down it was 705 <laughs> jeez that man was moving I was, that was the fastest I think I've ever moved in my life and then afterwards I realized oh it was a group text and he forgot to let us know and you see slowly Colby and some of the other guys rolling in uh, you know just like late and I was like okay I don't feel as bad but in the moment though I was terrified. Oh, yeah. Hey, I, I slept through a Thursday morning practice one time and Ooh, then was like, I'll never do this again. And then I slept in through the walkthrough as well. <laughs> I missed two days in a row. Oh, man. When was that? Yeah. Was that freshman uh, that year? Was, that, was, uh, that was sophomore year. Oh, okay. Yeah, after so that was not my brightest days. And then there was one day where <laughs> – you know you're not supposed to take your 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 uh, equipment back to the back to your room. You have to take it to the locker room. Yeah, right. Or not. Yeah. Well, there was one day where I kept it. They switched helmets colors, and so I showed up to practice. You're the only one. Helmet. Everyone's in red helmet, so I split 
back to the portable as fast as I can. Oh, and I'm trying to get back. And as I'm running in, they're like literally lining up for stretches. And so I literally made it just in time. But worst practice ever. I, I have a similar in. story at a five man practice. I'm, so Same. <laughs> I, I, I come in and you know how we're not supposed to have white socks. Mm-hmm. And so yep. like old school coach, uh, you know, just, we have to have some gear, all the stuff. So I sit down. I usually showed up pretty early and it's like four something in the morning. Field's still yeah. dark. I'm getting my cleats on, getting my stuff on. The guy next to me is like, dude, you got to change your socks. And I looked down. I was like, oh, no, white socks. <laughs> So I, I, I take my pads off, I put on my tennis shoes, and I sprint all the way to Bauer from the field, which, you know, for good, those who have been at SEU, that's a pretty good distance away, yeah, right? That's, that's, that's a trick. Go into my room, change, find dirty black socks, Nike socks, put them on, <laughs> put my shoes on, sprint all the way back to the field, get my cleats on, put my shoulder pads on, and I'm thinking, and I'm still in time, right? Because I'm... You know, I booked it, right? And uh, and my helmet's missing now. I'm like, I'm not about to be the only guy out of 70-something people without a helmet. Because if, like, if I was going to get killed not having the right socks, now mm. I'm definitely <laughs> just in, in the red zone here. So I'm looking around because they move the benches, move the helmets. And I'm picking up helmets, and the dudes are like, no, that's my helmet, dude. And I was <laughs> like, give it back to me. Finally, I find it in the corner somewhere after they moved all the stuff. I put it on as soon as the second strap, like the last strap, I, I you know pop it in. The whistle blows for stretches start, and I'm just like, there is a god. <laughs> oh <laughs> just, man, crazy. yeah, those Close good old call, stories, man. man. Those good old yeah, stories. My, 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 I had a similar thing. I showed up to practice and um, tennis. <laughs> yeah, I think I was wearing. I can't remember if I was wearing my slides or my Nikes, like my just my regular shoes. I showed up because I normally wear my slides or my shoes to the field, and then I would put on my cleats. So I show up to the field in full gear and everything, and I go to put on my cleats, and I can't find them. They're oh, not there. I can't find my cleats. And I was like, oh, my gosh, did I leave them in my locker in the the locker room and everything? I was looking around, can't find them. I was like, I must have left them. So I leave my helmet and whatever. I jog back to the locker room. And, you know, for me, I'm not a runner like Chandler. So, I mean, it probably wasn't as fast. But I sprint to the locker room, look around. Cleats aren't in my locker either. So I don't have you, time to go all the way. You lived in Valencia at the time. Yeah, right? that's polar opposite of campus. Oh, if you haven't been to SU. So I didn't have time to run back to Valencia to look and see if they're in my room, but I swore I brought them. And so I just had to run back to the field. Couldn't find them. So I was like, well, I'm wearing tennis shoes to practice today. I remember and, feeling uh, sorry for you because you told me in the moment. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, dude, <laughs> you just got to go back to the Mars. Yeah. So I told I, I told Coach Flath, is like, before, instead of trying to just like, you know, try to, pretend that I was wearing cleats, whatever. It's like, I, I don't know what happened to my cleats. I don't got cleats. Generally I was probably a bad influence there because I was like, you know, you probably should just not tell him. Just like go through practice. Just see if he notices. Oh, man. And you just man. went up to him. And I was near you and you just went up to him and owned up to you. You're just like, coach, I bought my tennis shoes. Yeah. So I told him, he's like, hmm, it's going to be a tough practice in tennis. And then that was all he said. <laughs> but then like halfway through, I saw like some of the veteran players like whispering to each other and everything like Augie and um, Cody and those guys. And I was like, uh oh, I'm in trouble. And so they walked over. He's like, "What size shoe do you wear?" And I was like, 12. And he's like, "You think you can fit into a pair of 13s?" I was like, "Yep." <laughs> he's like, "I got an extra pair of cleats over there because they're wearing their um, the new cleats that they're issuing for the week." So he had his practice cleats. They're wearing the new ones to break them in. So he's like, "Go grab them real quick." And so I hurried up and put them on. And they're a little big, but I mean, they were cleats, so they worked. Yeah. Were but, you? Did you happen to be wearing Skechers that day? Yes. <laughs> or what? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, I think it was my Skechers. That's yeah. funny. 
Yes, I had a pair of Skechers running shoes and Nike running shoes. I think it was the Skechers, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, we went through a couple drills where I had to, like, push stuff, and it was a little slick because, you know, the turf was still wet. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I was able to survive. And then they, you know, like, I got a pair of cleats over there. You can wear them. So, thankfully, that worked out good. Yep. But, man, I'm finally having practices do things to a man. Football, man. <laughs> so, during football season, though, like, towards the end, I started volunteering with Chapel there on campus. And I know pretty soon after you, Jacob, you, you started volunteering as well, uh, jumping on there. And then you just, you know, a couple months or a year later, then you're running one of the chapel services. Yeah. So how did that work? Like, what's, you know, how did you go from football to being involved in ministry, like at Southeastern, doing theology there? Like, what did yeah. you study? Um, yeah. What, what was the football, the transition from football to ministry? Yeah. So I always kind of knew that, um, I always felt called to ministry um, and you guys know how, how that is. You just know that there's a burden um, to lead people to the Lord in a way that's vocational. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. in, in the way that like you, you know that you want to be a shepherd, you know, they want to teach um, yeah. more so than just being like, I want to be a small group leader. Like, no, I want to like, I want to shepherd and I want to lead a ministry, that kind of thing. Um, and so I knew that. Um, but my freshman year of, uh, of college, I was a nursing major the first semester yeah. and um, I actually failed I got a 69. In I a do anatomy. remember in anatomy anatomy nurse major. Yeah. So I got a 69 wow. in anatomy class. And I was like, this is my shot to be a ministry guy. And so I switched over to children, youth and family. And then uh, was like, wait a second. Like, should I get my degree in ministry or should I get a degree in a, a uh, in, in something that'll pay me more money? And then, so I was like, I need to change it. And so I went from that to accounting, actually took an accounting class and, straight up this is the story i went into my advisor's office and said when's the quickest graduation and he said marketing and i said let's do it <laughs> and so that's how i ended with a marketing degree I'm not not even kidding and uh what's funny is uh and i'll go back a little bit but it's funny now that i'm i'm working on my master's in theological studies and what i'm doing now is presenting the story of jesus in a way that's understandable and relevant right mm-hmm. to students hoping that they will buy into the mission of Jesus and start to live and, and, and follow in his ways. What a marketing person does is communicates a message in a way that is relevant and effective and mm. helps people buy in. And so looking back, I can see God's hand wrapped all up in it. Cause I was like, I don't know. I want to be a nurse. That was my only plan ever. Um, I mean, that's the only, up, that's what everybody's plan in Baker is, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's nursing or you work at the prison. <laughs> You're wrong for that. You're wrong for that. But, but. Or you become a police officer. There you go. Tyler Curry, uh, shout out to you, my yes. friend, freshman college roommate. Um, but yeah, so I, it's cool how God worked in all that. But I was a football player and I was at SEU and I realized like, like I have no spiritual formation happening in my life right now. Like I'm consumed by sport and consumed by school and I have no free time. What am I going to do? I got to get a part of something. And so I didn't, Chandler, maybe it was you, maybe it was someone else. I just heard like just serve at chapels, right? And yeah. so I started serving at Monday night chapels, um, just mm-hmm. kind of going in there and helping. I remember like I helped with counting one time. I helped with security another, like just these little simple things. And I started to just realize how much life it gave me, right, to be serving um, and not really expecting anything in return. It was just serving and building relationships with people. And mm-hmm. I guess that was something in football. You're, you spend so much time with people and you spend so much time working on your craft that you forget that you have a life outside of it because it consumes yeah. you so much. And so – um, chapels kind of gave me another avenue to kind of like live my social life out right mm-hmm. around good people and good company. And so getting involved with the chapels was honestly the best thing I ever did. Cause I served my, um, my freshman year, um, 
the end of the freshman year. And then I served in my sophomore year as well um, in just kind of like a uh, volunteer role as well. Yeah. And then yes, um, going into junior year, um, I had had a couple conversations with Pastor Phil and I was like, hey, I want to be on student leadership. And he was like, I will never let a football player on student leadership. And I was like, why? Just why? He, he was he, and the reason in that was because of how like time commitment wise. Right. Like oh, okay. having having um, a student leadership position is time consuming and also being an athlete is time consuming. Um, and so uh, sure. he called me up. He called me up one day out of the blue and was like, uh, hey, man, we've got an opening on DSF as a Tuesday morning chapel producer. Uh, would you be down to do it? And I was like, I have no idea how to run a chapel. I have no idea how anything production works, but I'll give it a shot. <laughs> and so right. um, that was probably the I learned more in that year of um, serving chapel than I've learned in a, in a long time. Like obviously the past four years of my life, I've learned so much, but mm-hmm. I, and that, and those times, like I was in charge of like production. So making sure the chapel ran smoothly, right. Making sure everything was coordinated um, mm-hmm. in terms of like components of service, who was going up on stage, making sure that they were coached up and um, not getting up there and saying something that was totally heretical blasphemous or off the wall. You know what I'm saying? Um, Cause you know, sometimes people, you, you never know. Yeah. Gonna College say, kids, you never know what's um, going to come out of their mouth. Exactly. Yeah. And then, so there was that. And then there was also coordinating the volunteers. And so um, I was leading a system and I was also leading the people. And so I got to kind of see what it's like behind the scenes to like systematically, how do you make a chapel run? Well, how do you, how do you set it up for success? How do you, um, how do you build culture on a team in a chapel? How do you lead people? How do you lead yourself in a way that you can like have something to pour out? So I've, I learned a lot in that season. And then, mm-hmm. so I was a chapel producer in that year. Um, and then I got to produce one service of conference, which was so fun. Um, conference. I was there for that. 18, I believe. Yeah. And I, it was Rich Wilkerson Jr. Uh, was preaching that night. Super fun. And then the next year, um, and this, this is actually like pastor Phil will never know how, how much this conversation actually shaped me. Um, but we were going into student leadership exit interviews. So they do it. They do an interview at the beginning and then at the end um, of the year, just to kind of like see you know, how the year was. And he sat me down in his office and they were just asking me questions and stuff. And it was all cool. But then it got really serious. And Pastor was like, well, what do you want to do next year? I was like, I want to, I want to be on the discipleship team. Like I want to see revival in the athletes. And this no knowing this, I was leaving football at the time. So I, I, I played from freshman to junior year and then didn't play senior year. And so I was transitioning away and I was like, I want to, I want to help lead a revival um, in the student athletes. And um, pastor Phil was like, okay, cool. Well, how are you going to do it? And I was like, you know, I'm going to delete some long groups and we're going to start you know, some, 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 some services and some programmings and stuff. And he was like, you don't know, do you? And I was like, no. And he's like, well, why don't you say that you don't know? And I was like, mm. Uh, mm. Uh, uh. and then he said to me, and this, 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 like in the moment, like it triggered me, but it's one of the most impactful things anyone's ever said to me. He was like, how many people on the football team have you led to Jesus in your three years of being an athlete? Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. And I was like, <laughs> I, I, I can't, I can't say anybody. And then he said, if you can't lead someone you're spending every day with to Jesus, how do you expect to lead an entire athletic department from Jesus from the outside? Mm. And I was like, wow. Stab. I was just, like, just, <laughs> Wow. I was like, Stab and turn it a little. And <laughs> I was like, I, I don't know. And then he said, all right, have a good day. Wow. Get me out. And wow. 
they were like, you have any questions? I was like, nope. And I was just, I left and it had me thinking like, I spent three years on a football team, like preparing for ministry, but never actually doing ministry at all. Mm. And not saying that I didn't do any good in that season, but I wasn't very intentional about sharing the gospel in a way that was bringing about transformation in people's lives. Yeah. I just wasn't. And I went from this, I'm doing life with these people all the time to now I'm outside of the community, right. Of athletes thinking that I could lead a movement mm-hmm. wanted to, but it was in those, it was in that year where I really learned. Um, I really learned a lot about discipleship, mm-hmm. right? Discipleship is what's funny is like, and maybe you guys could say this um, as well, but there's not like a set system or way of doing discipleship whatsoever. Yeah. Like there's, yeah, there's no, like kinda... when you say like in, in five steps, show me how to disciple someone. It's like, <sighs> you it's know, kind of, it's, it's kind of one of them case to case things. Yeah. And more than anything, it's just, it's taking, and Bob Goff talks about this. It's like taking a genuine interest in someone's life and then mm-hmm. walking with them and walking with them and pointing yeah. them to yeah. Jesus. And I didn't learn that until I was outside of the football realm and had some, some deep heart to heart, like combos with Jesus, just realizing that like, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't have passerby conversations and expect to be discipling people. Like I have to sit down and I have to dig deep with people and I have to like hear their heart and hear their struggles and hear their wins. And unless I do that, then I'm not really doing anything. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, that was, that was a soul searching season for me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was cool because leading out of that, um, during that season of like being on the discipleship team at SEU and, and leading small group fo- football team, small groups um, in that I actually got to a chance to produce chap produce conference again. And I got to produce the entire thing. And that led to me getting an opportunity to um, interview with Dr. Engel for the position of grad for the grad assistant position. Oh, okay. So it's kind of cool how all that kind of led to where I am now. And I'm about to finish up here. I spent the past few years like learning under president Engel and doing all that stuff. But um, it was that senior year where I feel like I did so much soul searching and um, God really did a number on me. I went through an interesting relationship and the Lord worked on my heart. And um, it was in that season where I feel like I, I, I grew up, you know what I mean? Where would, I you, like, would you say that you discovered your divine design? I would say that I discovered <laughs> my divine design. Thank you. For you, know, you know, even though, uh, you know, you say it's like, well, what impact have I made? I think at some level you still did because, you know, there was a big gap there on campus between athletes mm-hmm. and ministry. And it's like, that was yeah. just like, they're, they're not. There was a big gap together. between the athletes and everybody. I mean, at least for the football team, like we were yeah. kind of looked at as the outsiders. They didn't like us very much. Yeah. Well, it, so, it was. SEU was a predominantly, it was a Christian university. It was a Bible college. Mm-hmm. And people feared that bringing athletes in, was going to corrupt the culture of campus. And it's so, and it's so sad to me because like, that's a terrible way to view ministry (laughs) that that exists in the church though. Yeah. Right. It's like, should we breathe? Should we be replicating who we are from the inside or bringing in outsiders to help them be more like Jesus? It's just like, what's, what's our mission? Are we trying to protect what we have or do or makes or transform something, you know? So, well, it was telling because <laughs> I remember the first meeting you went to because they said at some point late in the semester, if anybody wants to volu- you know, volunteer, come to this meeting. And that was the first time you showed up. I've already been volunteering for a couple months. But even then, it's like, pe- you know, people knew me because I was involved in, in, in doing volunteering chapel stuff. And, yeah, I was on the football team, but, you know, whatever. But then when you came in, it's like, 
nobody knew you at first, almost. <laughs> and it was like he's been a quarterback on the team all like freshman year, and like you even played, you know, had some playing time too. And it's like, yeah. Uh, and it's just SC, crazy that the gap was there. the first place I ever came to where athletes weren't cool. <laughs> just yeah, be real. That's true. Yeah. In high school, if you're a football player, if you're a basketball player, you're a baseball player. Like, Especially like Baker. I mean, Baker was a huge sports place. And yeah. football, when you're a football player, king, you're, you're, like a, you're, celebrity. you're like a celebrity. Yeah, you go through the schools and you hang with all the kids and you – you know, you sign the footballs and mm-hmm. you, you like, it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And then SEU is a very artistic and ministry minded place. And so the ones who kind of have the influential roles are the ones who um, are, are in SEU worship. not stop it. <laughs> are not as, it, it's just, it's a different, it's a flip from, um, from, you know, um, from high school to, to college. It, it's yeah. different than you'd expect. Yeah. It to be. But in a way it's like, you still brought, that kind of mesh that, that bridge a little bit between athletics and ministry there, um, which I think just, you know, whether you made a big impact or a little impact, like that was, that was still something and pretty cool to see, like, cause even it's not just, you know, on one side towards the other, but also the athletes didn't really like the ministry people that much either, or like that, that culture, artistic culture. So it really was just, a, you know, a gap on both sides. Um, I think a really cool, a really cool win. Um, and I appreciate that. Thanks so much, man. A really cool win was my senior year. And you know, started a small group with the football team. And we basically, it was like 10 of us guys got together and we were like, hey, there is no there is no spiritual culture on the team right now. And we need to change that. So what do we do? And um, we just started meeting weekly, reading the Bible. We used to do the Life Journal, the SOAP, Scripture Observation <laughs> Application. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I still do that sometimes. I, it just it's, it's a great way to get people into the Word and to just look at it deeper. Yeah. Um, but we did that with us. We did that with the football players. And um, I was interning at a, at a, at a healthcare information technology company in Tampa. And um, they did spontaneous, ba- spontaneous baptisms in a horse, tr- like in one of those ice bath horse trough things. Oh, wow. Um, and it was cool. And I, and I don't want to butcher the number. It's either seven or 11, seven or 11. Um, but like that, that many people got baptized spontaneously after a practice. Wow. And wow. just to see like, like we started a small group, something super small, um, and to see that it actually had an impact was so cool. Yeah. And I remember seeing the photos on my phone on Facebook, and I literally sprinted around the room. I was like, yes! <laughs> I wish I could have been there. But just to to see like something small and intentional, mm-hmm. right, can make a world of difference. Because they have um, athletes chapel and they have chapel before the games and stuff, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily making any difference. That's just mm-hmm. something mandatory they have mm-hmm. to go to. Yeah, so and something really cool now is students inside the lead stuff makes a difference. Something really cool now is, um, and I'm I've been out of the DSF world for a little while, but I know that Colin Thomas, which actually was one of mm. our, our fellow football players, is actually uh, um, on staff with Spiritual Formation, and he's like leading the student athletes now. Really? Um, oh. And so they have. I, I don't know if his role is campus pastor, like campus athletic pastor, but it's kind of similar to the role that Pastor Phil had before he stepped into that. Um, campus pastor role, but he's able to pastor athletes. I know they meet all the time. So the culture's yeah. the culture's super cool because they have that influence. And I know they did um, uh, like an athletic event a few weeks ago and they had a really good turnout. So nice. it's cool to see it's cool to see that happen at Because Colin Colin was uh, voted like the team chaplain or something, right? Or team spiritual leader, the, the Christian Character Award. 
Gotcha. <laughs> Which I'm sure all the athletes really wanted that. I wanted it. I wanted it. I wanted it every year. Okay. Yeah. But they, um, but, but for those who might not be familiar, uh, by the time we got to Southeastern to play football, the football program was still young. That was only its third year, fourth year. Yeah. Second, year, like second year in playing. There's a third okay. year of existence, but second year playing. So, I yeah. mean, when we talk about, like, there not being much of a culture and starting things and changing things, I mean, it was still a brand-new system. Mm-hmm. But they I mean, built a really nice stadium out the gate, though. Yeah. That they did. And it they still did. looks just as nice. The turf is still just as beautiful and as hot. Yes, just <laughs> <Yeah>. as hot. <laughs> All right. Cool. So, yeah. you go, you went from that. You go senior year. You graduate. And then what? So, it's, you know, did you have that little moment like, you know, I did and most people do when they graduate? They're like, what do I do now? <laughs> you know? Well, Thank God I had some options. Uh, I wasn't super stressed. Um, I was interning with a company called Ability Network at the time. And um, they had kind of said like, hey, we're looking to hire another um, uh, analytics um, person. And so that door was kind of open. I was like, hmm, I could do that. Then I also had been talking to spiritual formation at, at SCU. And um, I talked about being a grad assistant for them, which would have meant like helping produce chapels for the next two years and then getting my master's degree. And then... Um, Somebody texted me from SEU and they were like, hey, man, you should uh, interview for this uh, position with the president. And I was like, oh. yeah. So I went to the interview and I was like, OK, that was that was fun. Then I got a second interview. And then after that interview, they called me back and were like, hey, we want you to interview with President Engel. And um, I was like, mm, oh, OK. Um, <laughs> and so I. um did that and it went well. And then a couple weeks later, I meet up with my now boss and he's like, Hey, we want to offer you the position. I was like, why? And what's funny is normally there are things that you don't have to pray about. It's just like, yeah. Like the opportunity to work for the president. It's just like, yeah, just, just say yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I was like, I need 24 hours to pray about this. And um, I did. And it was funny because I actually, I knew that it would be a difficult two years only because of the nature of the work. I know it would be um, time consuming doing grad school um, and then also working in our office, yeah. uh, which it, it has been. Um, I've learned so much, like don't get me wrong, um, but it, it's a lot of work. So I, I was wrestling between whether or not I do that um, or have fun in spiritual formation. And because um, spiritual formation is a blast. You literally just do ministry and hanging out with people all the time and getting yeah. a free degree. Um, but I'll never forget, I had two two people who actually were campus pastors spoke the same word to me um, in one night and they spoke that I was a leader of leaders, leader of leaders, like kind of prophesied mm-hmm. that. And um, when I, when I heard that, I kind of, I internalized it, prayed about like, what does this actually mean? And the morning that I pulled on the campus that I had to make the decision, I heard the Holy spirit whisper leader of leaders. And I knew that I needed to like elevate who I was spending time with. Um, and so in order to lead people, you have to lead, you have to be around in order to lead people in order to see what people, in order to see what it looks like for people to be leading people, you have to be around people who are leading people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so and being around um, the president, that's, you know, yeah, quite when, a you're, leader. When, you're, when you're leading one of the fastest growing Christian universities um, in the nation, it's pretty cool to, to get to see all the things that, um, that are, are played into it. I mean, now yeah. like seeing, all the intricacies of a university is mm-hmm. it's kind of mind blowing because people don't understand why decisions are made and why things are gone a certain way, but there's, yeah. there's, there's a science behind it and there's systems and, and people make decisions for, for good reasons that are supposed to bring health to an organization. And yeah. if you're not inside of it, you might not see it. 
Um, But when you get to see what it looks like inside, you're like, wow. So this is how leaders make hard decisions. This is how leaders, um, how they, how they get ready for growth. This is how they sustain things. And so honestly, it's been, I've learned more in the past two years than I've, I've, I know I've said that already, but I learned more in the past two years about myself and about life than I've, I ever could have imagined. Yeah. I know Ken Engel really has done a lot of, a lot, just a lot (laughs) of stuff for SEU. And like you said, it's one of the fastest growing, you know, Christian colleges and there's there's a lot but for that to be the fastest growing and one of the top ones yeah. really says something I mean I and, and it's a great too. school I know we like we poke fun and stuff but I mean mm-hmm. it's one of those things you still yeah. still love South Eastern though yep 100% I know when, when Engel came in um, they were like a thousand students on campus and then he took him to about 10,000 in 10 years so Man. huge growth every year which is pretty awesome and I know yeah. that they've launched the extension sites as well and that's where that's where some of those numbers come from. But yeah. just to see the spread of that, it's so cool. It's so yeah. cool, and especially to visit some of those extension sites as well. Um, yeah. Like if you ever go to, um, there's a, a church in Jacksonville called Bold City Church. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that one, but they are. They have an SE. They they actually they they host their church at First um, First Coast High School. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So mm. they're in their auditorium there. And first coast mopped the floor with us that one time (laughs) 50 50 to zero and two quarters. That was brutal. Absolutely brutal. (laughs) Um, But to go, you go to their church and you see like their, like because of their extension site, they have so many college people who are, um, who are, I don't know. They're just vibrant pieces of their community. And to see that Mm -hmm. that church is thriving because of the young people that are there that are also getting a, getting a degree at a third of the cost. It's just, it's, it's dope. It's so cool to watch. So that's great. I didn't know that they were doing that at that school or at that church in Jacksonville. That's pretty cool. Got it there. They've got it at um, um, at Celebration Church. Okay. Um, I know that Evangel Temple has one through Evangel University. Um, right. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's cool to see a lot of churches kind of um, becoming kind of hub, becoming hubs of education as well. Yeah. You know I know I mean? one of me and Chandler's um, you know, favorite. Um, Oh, not necessarily content producer, but one of our favorite scholars, I guess, is the better term of uh, Dr. Michael Heiser. He's uh, the head of the School of Religion at Celebration Church through, um, I think it's Awakening School or something. That's cool. But he he just recently moved here. I didn't know that. But, you know, we talk about him uh, periodically. But yeah. yeah, but he's actually in Jacksonville, you know, doing a similar thing, teaching classes based off of his uh, book, the Unseen Realm. And mm. um, it's pretty. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of really big good churches that do that kind of stuff in jacksonville mm-hmm. especially you know with jacksonville being one of the biggest geographical cities in not just mm-hmm. the state but the country you know there's a lot of opportunity there so mm-hmm. that's pretty cool undoubtedly man i don't know if you've ever been to elevate life in oakleaf once yeah <laughs> i'll be right back for a second you're yeah. good man that's a fun church as well but i don't know i it's, it's cool and that could be a conversation for another day like like it's cool to see churches like having an importance for education mm-hmm. um, and, and really valuing people getting training. Yes. Like hands-on training, but also the the head knowledge that the head knowledge and the hand knowledge, I guess, if you say, which yeah. can be applied to heart knowledge um, and getting mm-hmm. the holistic approach for students to kind of just become better. You know, I just love it. I think it's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. The education side, I mean, there's, 
the discipleship in Christianity and then there's, you know, it gets got to be a heart thing, but you also, there needs to be an education side where mm-hmm. you've got to learn the finer things for sure. So it's, you know, some people are afraid of the education side, which I guess kind of segues good into our next topic, but some people are afraid of the education side of Christianity, the academic side. Some people think it's unnecessary. Some people are just scared to learn it because they don't know how they can process how to process it or mm-hmm. whatever. But um, I know for me, that's always been something I was interested in was like the getting into the weeds, the theology stuff. Same. Um, it seems like it's to me, it just helps the Bible make more sense or helps me to believe better what I believe. Mm-hmm. And I know for a lot of people, it kind of freaks them out or because they it freaks them out they it triggers like a defense mechanism it's like oh it's unimportant don't talk about it just we don't mention that here kind of thing and um i know when especially going in southeastern i mean there's things that i learned and had to deal with uh that time at lee you know i learned a lot and then since doing online and then just my own study you know just so many different things that are that just make the bible make so much sense but no one really talks about it so i know that's one of our goals of the podcast is to try to help educate people and that kind of stuff. And I know you're getting your master's in theological studies and all that. So I know we, we've kind of pretty much for the most part, you know, we've covered, you know, our, our history at SEU and, you know, some of your history with chapel and leadership and everything. But I guess whether it was at SEU or through your theological studies, what's um, a topic or an issue um, aside from personal experience. So I guess maybe just in the theology realm that really rattled you in a way. Like, I know we all have our life personal experiences that, you know, make us question, you know, why God would you do this or let this happen? You know, you pointed out, you've had a lot of people close to you that had passed away, mm-hmm. but when it comes to, it's just, I mean, it's when it comes to like doctrinal stuff like that and real you know, deep, juicy theology, you know, it's, it's one of them things that that can hit just as hard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people can't recover from it. Some people do. So, I mean, what's, is there anything that you had run into or how many? Before you answer that, (laughs) uh, let us know in the comments, uh, two things. One, if it's glitching out for you guys, I know it's a little bit for me, so I don't know if you guys are getting the same, um, problem, you know, internet problems, you know, uh, if you can hear us good or not, but just let us know. And then secondly, um, since we're nearing the end of this, uh, pretty soon, uh, if you want to, if you have any questions for us or for Jacob, you can drop them in the chat and, you know, we'll go through those, um, pretty soon. So yeah, if you guys have any questions, so let us know that if you have any questions, secondly, uh, so let us know in the comments, uh, and then Jacob, take it away. Yeah, I think, I'm going to say two things, one of which you guys might have to help me because I just remember um, the content, not necessarily the name of this of this thought, but then the other one I'll talk about. But um, I was sitting in contemporary theology class and uh, we kind of were talking a little bit about systematic theology and we were talking about like anthropomorphic um, characteristics of God. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, is it OK to say that God is this or that? Can we is it is it problematic? And then the question was brought up, um, did Jesus, the God side of Jesus, actually suffer Mm. on the cross? And to say that God can suffer is problematic at times, correct? Mm -hmm. To say that God can suffer. um, Because if God can suffer, therefore, is God God? 
And those are the, those are the, yeah. those are the, the movements that you kind of take when you're talking about this. Like but a sovereignty remember, issue. That yeah. Is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, did, did Jesus, the man suffer, but not the divine nature suffer? And I had the thought to myself and it was like, and, and, and this is like, this is something that you'll never talk about. Like yeah. with most people <laughs> in church, you'll mm. never talk. Did the divine nature of Jesus suffer on the cross? Jesus died on the cross and paid the price for our sins. That's what people need to know, right? Yeah. But the thought, the thought of did did Jesus not suffer? Did God not suffer through Jesus for my sins? I had that thought. Did Jesus did it not cost God anything? I know it cost him a son, but did it really not cost him anything? Because God is God not capable of suffering? And I had this like internal like well, if God didn't suffer for me, then what's the point of me sacrificing my life for him? Mm-hmm. And I know it's really like, it, I jumped real fast from like one to two. Um, <laughs> but I just, I went and I was, I was trying the hardest not to deconstruct because that happens yeah. to people in Bible college. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the thing with, with education is that we're trying to, we're trying to describe and understand a God that is incomprehensible, right? Yeah. That is so bigger than anything we could ever imagine. And mm. so to try to put human terms on a God that exists so far out of what we can understand, it's difficult. But yeah. I just remember straight up sitting there and saying like, well, if God didn't suffer for me, then then did it cost him anything? And then what's the point of, what's the point of all of this? And yeah. then I'll never forget a man by the name of William Davis. He said, Jacob, does this change the fact that Jesus has changed your life? I said, no, no. He was like, then don't let it bother you. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you know that Jesus has changed your life, this is something small. This is something. And to be honest with you, we could argue about these things forever and not come to a good conclusion on them, right? right. I love getting in the weeds, but sometimes you just can't find an answer. Like you just, yeah. you can't. And that was one of those things where I was in the weeds and I was, I, I, I didn't need to be in the weeds. I needed to realize like, I don't need to get stuck on this because God, John three sixteen. God sent his son to the world because he loved us, right? Mm-hmm. And want us to have eternal life. God gave his life, gave G- Jesus gave his life for us. And that's, that's the story, you know? Yeah. And so if Jesus suffered in the human, not in the divine, divine, not the human, it doesn't matter. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. And I can experience eternal life and freedom because of that. And mm-hmm. so that was something that I wrestled with for a while. And something that I'm kind of stuck on, right? Is, um, is it the Anselm satisfaction theory of atonement? Oh, okay. Um, I think it is. The um, is it, mm-hmm. it, it? It might be that. Is it? Is it um, the one? The, no, no. Sorry, not Anselm's. It might be Anselm's. The substitutionary model. Um, mm-hmm. It's either that or. Yeah, I, okay, there, I hold to substitutionary atonement, like the tra- I guess traditional penal substitution. Okay, yeah. so penal yeah. substitution is basically like Jesus was the substitute that suppressed God's wrath. Yeah, or he took right? it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I see, I see, uh, the illustration of God throughout the scriptures, but mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like, well, if God's wrath was poured out on his son, right. Where's the love in that? You know, I've where's heard the, the, love the, love? the, oh, the, you know, the child of you Yeah. All that type of thing. <laughs> Which I, I think that's ridiculous and I don't know. I, I wouldn't even mm-hmm. waste time on that, but it's just interesting. Like, mm-hmm. like in God's wrath, is his wrath still full of love because he's so just because well, he's yeah, so good, if, if, you know? Well, yeah, yeah that, I mean, that's part of why I put, uh, you know, I, I hold to penal substitution, not just because it's, you know, a clear scriptural view with the, with the, 
the lamb, I mean, the, literally the lamb was substituted, you know, like there's all of this clear in scripture. But yeah. then philosophically, it's like, well, if God did not punish sin, he wouldn't be just. But he had to punish sin, but also he loves his creation. So it's like he can't just forgive without, uh, you know, there being a penalty because then he's justifying or he's, he's uh, you know, allowing, saying, okay, murder is okay because there's no penalty for murder. I just forgive it. But there has to be a penalty if God is just, but also, yeah. yeah so yeah. It, it's just, I, I, think I like anything. It was loving because he spared humanity and put it on Jesus. So that, you know, but you didn't have to. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's another way to think about it. And I I guess. I've heard. So I, and I, and I, and I agree with that model. Um, but I know a lot of people have gotten hung up because they're like, where's the love in it all? You know, if yeah. God's just vengeful on his son, because, and I know people will will talk about how like God just had to get somebody. He's got to get someone, and he just happened to get Jesus. You know, <laughs> but it's like, well, if you got Jesus, didn't he technically just like get himself? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but so, then you have the Trinity, so it's like, well, no. You know, it's like, but yeah. yes, but no, but yeah. yes. So that that one kind of had me thinking for a while, and I was like, and and I, and I never want to negate. Um, scripture and mm-hmm. i know i know i know a lot of progressive christians like to not to talk about sin and wrath and mm-hmm. holiness and i'm scared to go down that route i'm scared to even i'm scared i i, I fear anyone who starts to go down that route uh, because once you start taking what has always been biblically true and kind of contorting it you're going down a road of heresy and so much yeah. more <laughs> um so i just have always loved to see like god's wrath kind of in a way that, you know, shows so much love for humanity, even though it might not have looked like, like when you read or think about it, maybe did God love his son in pouring out the wrath on him or was it for us? Like, so that was something that I really wrestled with in Bible college. That was, well, I like this nice. comment too. It says the love was from the God, the son who volunteered. I think that's pretty interesting too. That is good. And then I they said, you know, somebody else said no greater love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And going back to the first one that kind of, you know, challenged your faith a little bit, I guess, in, in, in grad school was uh, it what's interesting about the whole, you know, the hyperstatic union between, uh, you know, the flesh and, and the spirit. And and, you know, there's all these debates. But what's interesting is that that topic is what hung up the early church. Uh, and so you're kind of in a good, uh, good company, good camp, but like a good <laughs> company there, because literally for the first couple of centuries, like. They argue as much about, you know, creation and, uh, and, and all that. It's like now everybody's talking about different topics of theology where, you know, moral issues, politics, creation, you know, all this stuff. But it's like the foundation of our faith is Jesus. And if you have that wrong, it's like, you know. And yeah. so it's interesting yeah. that that's what hung you up, which is different than most people because some people, like I said, they, they have all these fringe issues and the- theological things is what gets them. Yeah. But you know, what got the early church and it seems like what, you know, you were wrestling with in grad school was how does the hyperstatic union work? How does the, the divine nature and the human nature, uh, you know, join together? How does that work? So I've never had an issue. And I know a lot of people's, their hangups in grad school is like realizing that like in the manuscripts, there are slight differences of the biblical scriptures. Like, yeah. Like, like, I I remember you telling me about that. That was another issue that you had was like, uh, something that bothered you was like a lot of the, like the Bible's, um, I don't know if accuracy is the right word, but just like some of those kind of small things here and there. 
Maybe, maybe at first when I first started. And I think like as a, as a sophomore taking classes, I was like, well, if there are, if there are slight differences in the manuscripts, then how do I know what I'm reading is true? Well, I just recently finished Insert up. Insert textual taking... criticism as a discipline. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. I just finished up Old Testament. Bart Ehrman is in the chat. <laughs> just, I just finished up like Old Testament exposition. We were going mm. through the Old Testament. And um, Daniel McNaughton, um, I don't know if you ever had a class with him, but he came in my sophomore year. But he, he spent 10 years on his PhD mm. um, covering – a, I think 10 verses in second Samuel doing textual criticism wow. and spent 10 years on like 10 pat on 10 verses, like ridiculous. Wow. But he talked about how out of all the manuscripts that exist, 90% of it is like beautiful, perfect. Like there's no issues mm-hmm. out of the 10%, right. There is 10% um, that actually affects like doctrine. So it's like 1%, it's like 10% of the 10%, right. That actually yeah. has mm-hmm. any, but those and through textual criticism, because everything was written right in manuscript mm-hmm. form, there are, I think there's like 30 different ways that you can actually mess up a pen stroke. And so mm-hmm. through textual criticism, those are easily, um, yeah. easily repaired and mended. And so if you already know the that, issue on the, you know, beforehand, then yeah, you predict the issue. You predict what, what the, you know, and mistake through textual criticism, long story short, you can trust the Bible. Yeah, you can trust mm-hmm. it, and I'll say this, and I know people won't like it, but I'd say ninety percent of translations you can trust. You know, pick a good translation and go with it. Yeah. Don't read the message for your man. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. You know, the message though is not one of those ninety percent. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not. That's all I'm going to say because I don't want to offend any elderly people who are watching. Because I I could say something about KJV, but I'm not going to. Um, but. Um, it, it was funny. Oh, please do. This is biblical brainstorm. No, I'm just kidding. Well, th- honestly, that's part of the reason why this podcast is formed is, is to literally tackle the difficult issues because there's mm-hmm. a lot of good ministries out there. There's a lot of good podcasts out there that just talk about normal things. But part of us is like, we've, we're, you know, me and Seth, we were normally having these deep conversations, whether it's theological, historical, um, all the above. And we're just like, a lot of people aren't talking about this stuff or even know the deeper weeds of things. So, yeah. It's like what you know. We're just brainstorming here. Why don't we just uh, you know have a podcast where we literally just go through the Bible and leave leave no st- stone unturned? Basically, it's yep. like yeah. anything like that's that. out there in fringe internet mm-hmm. land that you've heard. Those yeah. of you that watched the Q and A last week, we hit some of those topics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's that's what I mean. I, I think that I, I commend you guys for doing this because it's what the world needs right now. I think we live in, and I'm, I'm a youth pastor right now, so I, I hang out with students and. A lot of people are biblically illiterate. A lot of people have yeah. no idea what's happening in the scriptures. A lot of people can't even describe the character of God because they haven't read about the character of God. You can't know the God. And I had this conversation with a student. They're like, I need to know who God is. I'm like, well, do you read your Bible? They're like, no. <laughs> They're like, I pray and I worship though. And I'm like, here's the that's, thing. That's, yeah, you that's a really know, big. You cannot know who God is unless you read about his character in the Bible. You that, learn who he is and you understand who he is because of the scripture. And then as the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you, you will notice things like, wait a second that aligns with what the scripture is telling me. Oh my gosh, I'm encountering God right now. You know what I mean? It perfectly lines up with the problem with a lot of the younger church right now. It's like, well, I worship and I pray, but it's like to even know why you're worshiping and praying. It's like, (laughs) yeah, and and you can't necessarily fault them because it's kind of the leadership's fault. 
you know, yeah. that they don't know this or stuff. the culture so, yeah. I mean, or the culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The church, you know, whatever you know, that's, they have to at least put that out there so they know what to do, especially if they're new Christians. Yeah. But I mean, like you're saying, you got to read, you got to actually there's a wealth <laughs> of knowledge. Uh, it's so funny. It's just funny to me, man. Like so many people in the church, it's just like, Hey, I'm struggling spiritually and I just don't know where to turn to. Have you read your Bible? No. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, I had a, I had a professor yeah, yeah, yeah. at Lee. He was talking about. Uh, I was in my New Testament theology class, and he was talking about similar thing, praying, you know, relationship stuff. And he was he was talking about a pastor. I don't know if he worked for him or if he knew him, but he was uh, talking about whenever he counseled people that were having issues. Um, when he was counseling people that had. Uh, marital issues, just spiritual issues in general, whatever. The one question he always asked if they're having these problems was, when did you stop praying? Mm. And, you know, he was counseling this one pastor who's having an affair, having all these issues. And it's been going on for about a year. I think he had finally got caught or something. So he's getting counseling for it. Dude asked him, when did you stop praying? He said about a year ago. So it's pretty much the duration of this whole issue, wow. you know, was when he had stopped, you know, putting any effort into the relationship. Or spiritual relationship, so I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah, I mean, God, those are like pillars of practicing our faith that people yeah. just forget reading about. the Bible. Just, it's like it sounds so Sunday school, yeah. but it's like if you don't do at least those two things, and you can't pray without reading the Bible, you can't read the Bible and not pray. I mean, you got to have all of it together. So it's it's not like a one or the other. But. At fine at fine arts, it's so funny. One of our students, shout out Daniel Jean Pierre. You preached a great <laughs> short sermon. His 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 sermon title was called Stagnation Beyond Imagination. And he talked about how like we've gotten comfortable in our faith and we've become mm-hmm. stagnant. And the light that used to be shining so brightly in our lives has kind of doled out. Mm-hmm. And his one of his main points was that in a world where notifications like on our phones, like the right. ring tings and the pings, he's like, he's like, we need to just pick up our paper Bibles again. Yes. He's like, put down your phone because you pick it up to read the Bible and then you get a notification and you're literally done. And he was his uh, third main point. And I loved it because it was so practical. And it was like, if people just understood this, right, pick up your paper Bible and read it. Don't have any outside like distractions. Just pick it up and read it. And it's so crazy how you'll be like, wait a second. That sounds so elementary. (laughs) You know, it just, it's, it's too simple, right? Yeah. It's too simple. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and on top of that, let's just say, I mean, even like us who we want to go deeper into this stuff, it's like, and you're just like, oh, how do I re- reconcile these issues? And it's like, I've read the Bible and I've, you know, I pray and stuff. We've literally had 2,000 years of material and, and longer if you're talking about Old Testament, if you're talking about like ancient mm-hmm. Near Eastern stuff, if you're talking about like cultural things, like to understand the Bible, to understand theology, like, a lot of the issues, I mean, we just talked about the early church wrestling with these different things with, you know, the the nature of Christ. It's like, yeah. you literally have so many things to turn to, like thousands upon thousands of resources throughout the age yeah. of the church and, and beyond to understand these philosophical, these theological, these historical issues. These and We have so much more versions. access to this stuff than we ever have. Before. Oh, ever have before. And yeah. archaeology and the study of languages has exploded just in the past mm-hmm. hundred years. And we're finding things to where we know we're more confident of certain things now, even in the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, than anybody had access to 100 years ago. And I know and there's so, a lot that Chandler, me and you, that are we're diving into, and Jacob, you probably are too, where it's like 
you you read one passage and you go back and read the context, historical context of when it was written, the time it was written in the community, it was written by the language it was written in and all this stuff. And it means something totally different than what people have preached about for years. Yeah. It's like, do we even really even do we need to start over? Do we even under does anyone even really yeah. understand this? But a very, it's like, a very simple one, right, is just reading the story of David and Bathsheba through not the lens of a patriarchal, the woman is the bad guy kind of thing. Can you say that that again? Mm -hmm. So just something super simple is, and this, this one affected me because it was one of the first like passages that we really like jumped in through um, was, was David and Bathsheba, King David. Mm. And we've always, and I don't know about you, but I've always heard in the church that the man after God's own heart was seduced by a woman who was out on her balcony. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how I've heard it preached. And when you really read it, like that's not the case. David should have been at war and he was mm-hmm. at home when all the men should Checking not have been at home. on the roof. Yeah. And he, he pulled Bathsheba up. He was the king. He could do whatever he wanted with his power. Right. Yeah. And had a moral failure there and then went on to kill the, kill the woman's husband. Right. Yeah. But you don't, you don't hear yeah. that sometimes it's because yeah. it's not, it's not popular. He's the man after God's own heart. Dr. Um, Mark Rutland, uh, the president before Ken Engel at Southeastern university wrote a book about David and he talked mm-hmm. about that. And that really made you know a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, thinking it's about like it. David, David yeah. was a very flawed individual, but God yeah. used him mightily. And so that's, that's just the change of like, when you read mm-hmm. something based off a of tradition, what you just heard people say versus mm-hmm. like when you really dig in for yourself. Yeah. Like, Whoa. And, th- and three things to that, that I just thought of. So one real quick, one, the, the psalm that David prays afterwards in repentance, mm-hmm. he never had another Bathsheba moment after that. Yep. And so I think that's like, as flat as David was, it's like, he wasn't the type of Christian that's like, oh, I sin and I repent and I, repent, and I go back to having continual Bathsheba moments. But like, there was a genuine repentance in him that we can also have in our lives that, mm-hmm. you know, the failure isn't final, but like, they, you know, God can redeem you to where you don't have to keep on sinning. Like, uh, exactly. And second thing was the story of uh, Saomi, where, you know, Herod um, is there and he brings in this young girl to seduce him. And, and what does she want? Well, she asks the mom and the mom says, give me the head of John the Baptist. Right. Mm. Uh, and so we always think of the, this woman seducing Herod and, uh, you know, and the mom there and, and that they're out for John the Baptist, that she's the evil person of the story. Well, if you look at the historical context, and we even have, I think, even a coin of saying because she, uh, she later, it becomes you know really important in the region. She was twelve years old at that time, mm. dancing for King Herod, and her mom. Who that thus? Why else would you go to your mom if you're an adult and you're just seducing her? Why would you go to your mom for advice? Like, hey, what should I do with this? You know, yeah. Herod, Herod's willing to give me anything. What should I do? Uh, no, Herod was a sick, twisted. Pedophile <laughs> individual having this twelve-year-old seductively dance for him, and the mom there, you know, she, like says, "Hey, I'll give you anything you want." She goes to this t- poor twelve-year-old girl being taken advantage of, right? Uh, going to the mom, and you have all of this, this going on, and so yeah, it just things like that. When you know the historical context, it's like, hey, no, Herod was the sick and twisted one here. He he's not being seduced by the woman. Like he's he's wanting to be seduced by this. Twelve-year-old helpless girl. And the third, keep going. Go ahead. I love it. No, no, you got it. Yeah, finish your story. I'm so sorry. Well, the third, the third thing I was going to say to that, because you know, the three points was we talk about this. This is a bigger topic on the perspicuity of scripture, like the clarity of scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, can you read the Bible and it be understood? 
And so here's the, I think the beauty of scripture is that yes and no. Um, that when you look at the Westminster Confession on the clarity, you know, I can't even say the word, perspicuity of scripture, right? The, the clarity of scripture, how it um, be understood. That it says that, you know, scripture is able to be plainly read and understood as it pertains to salvation. Mm-hmm. And so, like, anybody who picks up the Bible and reads the plain, simple reading of scripture, they will understand the overarching redemptive, you know, the redemptive arc to where Jesus is, you know, Jesus is the main character. Like, you know, I give my life to God, I, you know, Jesus, the whole gospel, the gospel. Like, anybody yeah. who reads the, the Bible, you get the gospel. Um, and and that, that's the clarity of scripture. Now, what that doesn't mean is everything in the Bible is what it seems. Like, I just pick it up and I plainly read it and it's like, that makes perfect sense to me in a, you know, two, three thousand years later, not understanding the historical context and language. So yeah. it, it's it's clear God, through his divine, um, you know, providence and, and Holy Spirit has revealed revelation to where anybody who can pick it up can understand the gospel and give their life to Jesus. But... It's also so deep that not that everything in scripture can take lifetimes to search through and dig through. And you just it's like a mind that just keeps on giving that you can you continue to grow and learn. And it's like, man, this is like a never ending gold mine where things that you thought of and you dig deeper in the context. It's like, man, there's so much more to this. I've never knew. And it's not clear to me. And I learned the context. I learned the language. And it's like that stuff just pops out at you. And that's part of why we do this podcast, too, is to to draw out the deeper things in scripture and the yeah. historical context and theological things. So. And, and I love that. I, so my favorite class I've taken in my master's program was uh, the apocalypse revelation. Um, <laughs> and before that, I'll be very honest with you. Like when I think of revelation, I think of end times, I think of the dragon, I think of the mark of the beast, but I never before thought of it as a book of worship. Hmm. Hmm. The worship themes that exist, right? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Mm-hmm. Like we looked at Revelation through the lens of worship, right? Rather than looking to try to play out what's going to happen in the end, we looked mm-hmm. at it as how do we as Christians worship rightly through what might be the apocalypse. And talk about like like what used to scare me so much became like a wait a second. Wait a yeah. second. I, I can see in all of this that there's a way that I can live better and that I can worship Jesus in a way that brings more honor and glory to him. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I would have ever thought of that unless I had taken that class because everything I've ever read on Revelation is kind of freaky. Yeah. <laughs> it still yeah. is. You know, students yeah. ask me questions about Revelation all the time and I'm like, I'm working on, I'm working on it with you. You know what yeah. I mean? It's one I of those doctor- books that, Dr. Michael Heiser's uh, in his podcast, he's been doing a series on Revelation, uh, I think since November or December, and he's taken it, you know, verses uh, at a time and he'll do like a couple parts on a chapter if he needs to, or he'll do one episode on a chapter, just depends. But he's going through with the intention of showing the Old Testament in Revelation and how John used the Mm -hmm. Old Testament in Revelation. Yeah, and when you know that, it's like all that. Yeah, it's just all that kind of stuff that's in Revelation. the, the metaphors, the imagery, like you yeah. can't read, you can't read that for face value because if you do, like you're going to expect to get to heaven and literally see Jesus as a slain lamb. No, he's not going <laughs> to yeah. look like a slain lamb, yeah. um, but the imagery is so powerful, right? Yeah. When you read it that, it makes like, you're like, what? 
uh, John, when he's in, when he's in heaven, he hears about the lion of the tribe of Judah, uh, but then turns to actually see the lion, the the mm-hmm. lamb, the slain lamb. Yeah, and yeah. It's like he heard that Jesus oh, was this and turned to see something that was vastly different, but just as powerful and and mm-hmm. and uh, you know what I mean. So it's just it's yeah. cool because when yeah. you when you read it for face value, you're like, what's happening yeah. here? Um, it's these comments are. Do you see any of those questions coming in? Yeah, well, uh, a couple things. One, there's, and I'll get to the questions after the the ones that are pertain to the topic. Some one of my students' uh, parents are like, Chandler Noah is asking asking me about uh, Revelation at home right now. I'll go ahead and point him to you. Yeah, actually, my it. friend. So a friend of mine in a Bible study that I'm in uh, actually just finished his entire commentary, which is like 300 pages or so on Revelation. He spent wow. the past a couple of years or whatever. It's really, really good. I haven't even looked at it though, but it's like every like historical context, archaeology, like sources. It is the best um, commentary on Revelation that I've ever seen. But even then, it's like it goes back to what my prof- like I was taking a class. My professor said, and it, I was taking systematic theology. Um, I got my minor in theology, by the way, so that's why, even though I'm a history major. Um, but I was thinking systematic, and he and he was like, you know, for me, Revelation was one of those like books I didn't touch. You know, I was just like, <laughs> kind of like I knew it was weird. I, I just avoided it for so long, and then I really dove into it. And he's like, it's just so beautiful, like final states, and like even though it's so difficult to understand, there is so much theologically there that is so so cool. Um, yeah, and then even yeah, this guy, he's also in our, our, our Bible study, so he says astronomy yeah. too, and and Rob's commentary. Yeah, it's really good commentary. Um, so, but it goes back to what we were saying, like, you can't just read scripture plainly, but yes, you also can. So it's like, some things are plain that you can get, mm-hmm. and especially as it pertains to the gospel and salvation, but not, you can't read everything in scripture at face value because you just won't get it. And that's, sorry, yeah. the reality of it. It's like, there's things historically, ling- linguistically, culturally that and we are so removed from that we don't understand at face value. And unfortunately, that's caused a lot of issues within the church with people teaching things incorrectly and pushing incorrect, you know, theology and lifestyles and, you know, whatever. And it's done a lot of damage, but a lot of it's just because they didn't have access to this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of uh, almost like uh, damage control now yeah. with all of the <laughs> information in a lot we're of ways, receiving. In a lot of ways, I feel like in trying to push, because I, I feel like I feel like there's that. The oh. academic world of the church. And say, then say that again. You the practical. Again. Oh no! Sorry. Oh, I, I heard um, it. Yeah, there's like the academic world of the church, and then there's the practical point of the church, like the practical okay, side. Yeah. Um, both both of which are extremely important. Yeah, they um, need yeah. to mess there's together. Like, there's a disconnect there, and mm-hmm. what happens is that the academic world kind of will look down on the practical world, and the practical world will kind of um, avoid itself. Like we're yeah. the we're the we're the yeah. faith people, you know. But yeah. there needs to be like grace in the middle of that and come together and say, hey, we both don't have it figured out yet, but we're working towards having it figured out. Yeah. And how do we how do we navigate this by taking like 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 thought mm-hmm. and turn that into heart like decision and then turn that into action? Like how do we yeah. head heart hands? It doesn't uh, have to be thing. one or the other. I mean, it doesn't have to be practical or theology. I mean, it can be. Yeah. Both. It's a both. Without end. it out. So that out. What if what if what if in our outreach we were we were teaching, right? Yeah. What if when we fed someone, we taught them about the gospel, right? Yeah. In a way that's beyond what beyond it's more it if you 
if you really want to see if someone has a relationship with Jesus, ask them to explain the gospel. Ask them to explain the gospel to you. Yeah, and you'll really see like how deep they are. If they really mm -hmm. have enough, if they're like, well, God died for me, and now my sins are forgiven, mm -hmm. you know, or like God made something really good, and then He created humanity, which was good as well, and then we messed it up, and then throughout the ages, God has been working this master plan by sending His Son to Earth so that He could redeem humanity to Himself. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a different way of thinking like Jesus died for my sins. No, God created something good. Right. And mm -hmm. we messed it up. And now he's trying to fix it. Like, that's mm -hmm. that's what it is. And he wants us to partner alongside him in fixing yeah. it. And so it's just cool. The, the, I love the gospel so much, but and, you can really see. Go ahead. I can say there's some people that the practical side will never get their attention. They'll, it'll never do anything for them. But the academic side will catch their attention and that will, you know, convert them mm -hmm. or help them see, you know, Jesus in, you know, for who he is. And then there's some people, the academic stuff will just go over their head. They won't understand it or they just won't care. But the practical stuff is what will reach them. So, I mean, that's why both is important. And everybody has a role too. Everybody has gifts. And it's like, mm -hmm. that's why, you know, like you said, head out hands, but also even look at, at Paul, it's like, well, you have shepherds, you have teachers, you have prophets, yeah. you have apostles. It's yeah. like, well, everybody has a role. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, but we tend to go in our little microcosms of our own little groups of we have all the teachers together and we have all the, you know, the evangelists together in one group. And it's like because you tend to hang out with people that are just like you. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's something of the, about beautiful about the church all coming together. Yeah. So Imagine if our teachers were training our preachers. <laughs> That's how much more effectively the gospel would be. Yeah. Right? How much less heresies would be out there, too. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. All right, so um, if you want to real quick talk about, I know you, you're kind of short on time here, but if you want to quickly talk about the kind of end of your journey now or like where you are at the present with your ministry, I know you're a youth pastor now, going from grad school and now you're actively involved in ministry. So like you said, now putting the, the head to the hands in the action, right? How does that connect and talk about where you are now and where yeah. you think you're going to be in the future? And then I'll quickly go through some of these questions. We just have a few here, but yeah, that's totally. we'll, we'll totally. go there. Uh, just what I'm learning most about most about youth ministry, and this is the most cliche thing you will ever hear from a pastor, but it 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 is the truest thing I've ever ever experienced. Like kids, especially with students, like Generation Z, they can see through a facade like nobody's business. They know when you're being fake. They know when you're trying to act like you love them. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. The 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 saying people don't care what you know until they know that you care is the realest thing. Like students will see through me trying to get to them just so that I can get them into church. No, no. They need to know that I care for them before I can ever present any message to them. Mm -hmm. They don't mm -hmm. care what I have to say. They don't care what degree I have, what accolade they have. They just want them to know that I love them and mm -hmm. that I'm there for them and that I want to walk with them. And when students know that, they're like, okay, so tell me what you want to tell me now. And, yeah. and if the church did that better, loving people the way Jesus did, like I feel like we could communicate the gospel in a way like we could speak hard truths to people in love because we have relationship with them because we know them on an intimate, on an intimate level. Like yeah. we're trying to have conversations about alcohol, homosexuality, like division with people that we're not even in relationship with. Mm -hmm. Right. And if we were in relationship with those people, we could talk because you can't just shove knowledge down someone's throat. You can't, yeah. you've got to be in relationship mm -hmm. with them. And I think the Trinity gives us a perfect example of what relationship looks like, right? The God mm -hmm. three in one, um, and that gives us an opportunity to see our God himself is relational within himself. Therefore, we should be relational in everything that we do. And so and then it goes to John as well, the high priestly prayer. It's like, uh, let them be one as we are one. And yeah, just like you said, it's, it's crazy. So and it's, and it's I, crazy I, I right teach, now. Or go ahead. I said, I teach Gen Z right now and it's the same thing. It's like, you know, they, they 
Yeah, they don't hold back. Like they. Oh no! <laughs> I had a student tell me the first time they met me, they're like, "I thought you were fake." I'm like, "Thank you, thank you." Um, okay. But they, they, they don't hold anything back, um, and that's and that. I, I will say, people knock Gen Z because of that. But I will say that this generation cares more about equality and social justice and the issues that past generations have swept under the rug. This generation wants to tackle them. And so it's our job to equip them to take on these things in a way that's biblically appropriate um, and in a way that brings people to Jesus, not in a way that just mm-hmm. I want I want social social justice as well as Jesus making himself known to people. Right. Mm-hmm. I want there to be one of the same Jesus bringing Jesus bringing right? The healing that our nation needs. Jesus being the one that brings reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that with that, that's a force that needs to be awakened in the church. Mm-hmm. So. And, and I think it depends the culture too. Like, like there was different times in history where you could just sho- shove knowledge down people's and they, and that's how they received it. And it was more rationalistic or, but it seems like this culture is very relate, like you said, relationship driven. And uh, even difference between Gen Y and Gen Z, like Gen Y, you have this kind of uh cancel culture this uh censorship this like you know don't say the wrong thing in our culture millennials but gen z they don't care as much (laughs) they just say things and you know they don't they don't hold back it's like you know there isn't this oh don't scroll through tiktok yeah (laughs) yeah. they they just yeah yeah, they just say it as it is and they don't care about cancel or you know or um you know, censorship. It, it's just like, and maybe it's, you know, to the bad, you know, Jesus said that's the other extreme that's bad, but yeah, they, they just want to be real, um, which is, you know. And, and that's, and they want to be real. And another thing that I'm learning about this generation, and it's something that I've learned recently about myself is that um, I, I've been blessed with incredible pastors um, throughout my life that have walked alongside me. Um, but in hearing other stories and seeing the church as a whole, and especially coming from a Pentecostal background, um, I feel like we are really good at telling our story, but we're not really good at telling the why behind our story. We're really good at mm-hmm. telling people what we believe, but not telling people why we believe it, right? Even ourselves, right? We know we, we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We talk about um, speaking in tongues. We can talk about prophecy. But do we understand what the Bible says about it and how mm-hmm. to teach that? Uh, mm-hmm. Because I know a lot of kids, I did an altar call for baptism of the Holy Spirit one time, and everybody was like, what? It's because they didn't know. They didn't know. Yeah. Um, and so we've got to do a better job at showing them the why, not just the what. Showing them the why so that when they leave our ministries, they have evidence for what they believe in. Not just, mm-hmm. a, not just a claim, but evidence of it. And so mm-hmm. that's something that I'm, I'm trying to, to tackle. I, and what's jumping back to the first thing, I live – right now an hour and 15 minutes away from my students so i oh, live wow. in lakeland churches in bradington and so i'm commuting twice a week um to, to be with them and so uh, we've done a couple small groups but we haven't been able to have like a system for it yet because i don't live there um but i see the need for that right it's the mm-hmm. need for um intimate relationship with intimate teaching right not just surface level like tell me tell me the gospel but it's like let's dig into this mm-hmm. why do we believe what we believe and if we don't agree with something, let's wrestle with it, right? If we don't like something, we wrestle let's with it. Let's brainstorm. <laughs> let's brainstorm, yes, right? That's, that's the, people don't want to wrestle with the Bible anymore. They yeah, just yeah. want it easy. They want it comfortable. They want it. And another short sermon that one of our kids taught, um, they, they talked about how we're iPhone Christians. We can take a picture and develop instantly, right? We want instant satisfaction, instant gratification. But 
spiritual life is like a Polaroid picture. You take mm. the photo, there's time to develop it before you ever see the picture. And mm. that's kind of the way that we need to move our spirituality. It's not just this instant like microwave. I put a TV tray in the dinner. No, we got to, we got to go to Publix. We got to pick out the right supplies. <laughs> we got to make sure that we don't pick yeah, out something. Have a barbecue. Bad. Exactly. And so we got to let you know, soak for 24 prep. hours. Then we got to crock grill. pot, <laughs> you know, we got to crock pot our face. Um, I'm real hungry now. Right now, I want to go to Frazier's. <laughs> Seth, I want to go to Frazier's so bad. I want the chicken tenders from Frazier's. I don't oh, even know what that is. Either. It's yeah. the best. It's a restaurant where everything's fried. Everything. Right down the street from my church. <laughs> oh, nice. Everything. So. All right. So I guess real quick. So what do you see yourself in the future now? So I guess that's where you're at present and future. And then we'll go through some questions and we'll close it out. So youth ministry is for the foreseeable future is where I'm at. Um, mm. I do. I do feel like one day. Um, board will either leave me to take over a church or a church plant. Um, but right now I'm just stewarding the season the best I can. And I, I adore my students. Like mm-hmm. I'm so blessed because my students are number one, they're great kids. Uh, they are extremely talented and they love Jesus. So they make it a little easier for me to do youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I love where I'm at and, uh, where do I see myself in the future? Um, I want to one day, uh, like train youth ministers as well, like help coach, um, and walk through um, kind of just different uh, different difficulties. And in 10 months, I literally started youth ministry in the middle of a pandemic, and I met my students through Zoom, right? Mm-hmm. Like did not get the start that I wanted, did not get the vision cast like I wanted, didn't get to build mm-hmm. culture like I wanted originally because I wasn't a person with people. Mm-hmm. And um, to be able to like look back and say, I could have done this differently. I want to help people who are just starting out in ministry um, so that they don't, um, they don't, they don't quit, you know? Summer for youth pastors is the craziest season. And right now I feel like I'm thriving. And so that's a good thing. And I, and I hope that other youth pastors, um, and I forget the statistics on like, um, on, I think the average stint of a youth pastor is like nine months. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, which is ridiculous. Um, so youth pastors just, they get, you already, made, you already made the mark. <laughs> I'm already above <laughs> average, but I want, I want to help people. <laughs> What'd you say there? You cut I said out you got 10 months, right? In months. There we go. Yeah. There we go. But I want to do that. Um, I'd like to one day write a book on youth ministry. Um, the 10 things I learned in my first year of youth ministry. Um, that's just kind of things that have popped in my head. But, yeah. Um, nice. but yeah, I, 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 wherever I'm at, I want to be in a shepherd role. I want to be shepherding people. Mm-hmm. I want to be looking mm-hmm. out for people. Um, because I feel like that's, I feel like that's the way God's wired me is to look after people and make sure that they're okay. Um, nice. and whether that's in a, whether that's in a pastoral, like vocational ministry role, or if it's in a, um, maybe one day I'm just leading a group of, a group of men and just helping them be better fathers, you know, mm-hmm. helping them be better, better friends. Um, something like that. I just want to be a shepherd. I just want to walk with people. Awesome. That kind yeah. of, that probably was, uh, developed well with being a quarterback too, cause you were mm-hmm. pretty much leading the team most of the mm-hmm. time. <laughs> And it's you really cool. set the pace and did all that kind of stuff just in an athletic setting. Yeah, and an athlete to relate to students too, and yeah, you know, all over the spectrum. So that's pretty cool. Do you all see right, yourself yeah. doing anything football related in the future, though? Actually, I think I'm going to be helping this uh, this uh, flag football team coaching in May. So I might be, you know, I might be nice. uh, scheming up some uh, offensive um, offensive there packages. Still a little football to... in there. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> I think me and my me and my pastor are actually going to help coach a team. Soon, nice. So it'll be it'll be pretty cool. Yeah. I did get to coach a little bit and come full circle with the middle school a few yeah. years ago. I coached O line for a couple months. That was kind of cool to you know do the whole transition thing. 
Yeah, I coach currently for middle school, so uh, like we just ended basketball season, so that was pretty cool. Had some good kids, but yeah. So So we got some questions in here. Uh, Well, I'll just go scroll through the comments and kind of chronologically here. So one, uh, you know, it looks fine, Seth. So I think (laughs) your camera view. um, I don't know. Maybe you can change it up every once in a while. Do both, like aerial shot or whatever you want. But it's good. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I think this was in a comment to uh, when we were talking about the divine wrath thing. The fullness of the wrath of God was poured out through the Father, and the fullness of His Son's uh, love flowed through from the Son. Cool. All right, and then uh, tomorrow is not promised to anyone. Amen. That's true. So, yeah, that doesn't mean live in the moment. That means live for God <laughs> in right. the moment. You know? <laughs> and so, yeah, YOLO is true. So, hmm. all right. Question for Jacob: uh, Do you have anything uh, exciting planned to announce in the next few months? Oh, okay. So, I want some sneak preview? You heard it here first, I guess. It's like yeah. I announced it on Biblical Brainstorm. You know, I I am in a pretty serious relationship, so you know. Okay. Who knows? Hey. Who knows what could be happening in the next couple months? Shout out to oh, uh, right. special oh. someone possibly oh, watching uh, this. I guess. This is right. Alyssa's sister, by the way. So. Oh, okay. Oh. I'm, I'm, assume, I'm assuming you know someone. Yep, this, that's this Alyssa's sister. <laughs> oh, okay, so there's some context to this question. Okay, yep, there is some context. So, <laughs> who knows? Oh, that's great. Who knows? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Wow. Well, hint, hint. All right. Uh, so certified Bathsheba moment. Yeah, we're talking about David. <laughs> that was definitely not the Senate. Suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Has transformed it. It's also transformative, transformative depending on where you are in your life at the moment. Um, I guess that's when we were talking about. I forget what was that. That was in context too. Theology, just learning theology, maybe. Oh, probably. Oh, yeah, the Bible, the perspective of Scripture. Yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah. transformative life, the gospel, and also yeah, things relate to you as well. We didn't cover that, but yeah, there's things true. that maybe you can uh application right so maybe it doesn't mean that in its original context but you apply it to your life and it really does help you so like especially mm-hmm. proverbs right so wisdom yeah. and things um okay so question how would you advise a young person on how to choose a denomination especially if they're coming from outside of a christian family so i guess outside of christian family it is they coming in what do you advise that, that's kind of a deep question yeah. i I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be really. You guys might not like my answer on this one. Okay. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say anyone any church that preaches that the Bible is the main tool for understanding God and that proclaims Jesus to be um, the Son of God. I don't Amen. think you can. I don't think you can go wrong. And yeah. here's why: because we get caught up in a lot of theological issues. And I know we could we could talk about these for days. Seth, you're Church mm-hmm. of God. I'm AG um, Chandler. You're AG as well. Um, Right, still. I guess you can put me in that category. I, I, you, again, I don't like putting. Or? I don't like putting myself in a box, a denominational box, because I've went to so many. I've also been a part of different church communities that have been in different denominations. Yeah, um, the church so, I went to before the church I was at was Nazarene. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the, the mere Christ, core Christianity—that's that's the big thing. And and also yeah. where you start may not always be where you finish because I we you know we know it's like we've had friends that have started out on one denomination and they moved mm-hmm. to another because that's more helpful for them and yeah. so yeah. I guess at first what whatever preaches God's word and yeah. what will I guess give you the best presentation of the gospel as a new Christian and how to live that out yeah yeah good answer and I will yes. I will I will piggyback off this ir review um, be at a church that celebrates 
your your individuality they that celebrates you as a person right doesn't see you as a number in a seat but sees you as a soul that jesus loves mm-hmm. be at a church that cares about you and wants to see you develop wants to see you be built up because i know a lot of people who go to churches and they feel like they're just a number number mm-hmm. in a seat they're just a name they're just no go to a place that loves you and believes in you and cherishes you and celebrates you because that's the kind of place where you'll be built up and you'll become the person that you're supposed to be too many people go to church and are not loved on right Mm -hmm. too many people go to church and feel like they're never being poured into but go to even if it's a church of five right Mm -hmm. literally go to that church of five and be poured into be built up so that you can go out and you can make a difference in the world right yeah i would say that it just is it's one of those things where you gotta you know definitely pray about it you gotta feel in a way feel called to the church, you know, feel a connection there, you know, see if God wants you to stay at a church, go to a church, you know, that kind of thing. Definitely pray about it. I don't think that the denomination thing is that big of an issue as long as it's, you know, teaching proper biblical theology and scripture. So, you know, like what they were saying somewhere that you feel like you can belong and be connected and that teaches the Bible properly. There's like big, big truths and little truths. Mm-hmm. Right. The big, the big T's. Jesus is the son of God. Right. The Trinity, the salvation, heaven and hell. Like mm-hmm. if they if they believe in those things, you should be good. There are smaller things like uh, like under the AG, uh, we affirm that the evidence, initial evidence of speaking in tongues or the initial evidence of baptism of the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues. I know that some people would disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and I think the I would, original tenets of faith don't even describe that. At least the AGs. I think the evidence was a holy life, but they believed in the sign of. Of so, I have to look at that again. But yeah, yeah. But that's another one of those. That's a yeah. It's a smaller thing. It's a little t. Yeah, Church of God. Like the Church of God usually is, you know, pretty good. Assemblies of God's pretty good in the Pentecostal persuasion. Um, You know, Baptist isn't terrible. I mean, it's you know, you you probably if you believe along the same lines we do, you definitely wouldn't want to go Catholic because that's something else. Although, (laughs) Uh, oh, oh, you know. I say this because I'm also connected with a lot of Catholics. And so there, there is a beauty of the liturgical. And yeah. also this is seen in, in Lutheran and Anglican. But for a new Christian, I don't know. So for a new Christian, I would say whatever gives you the most um, presentation of gospel, like you said, too, of like, um, you know, feeling at home, too. I think Pentecostal is, is, uh, is best, maybe not as the start, but as... A later thing because people tend to get burned out with their faith and they don't tend to be passionate and then they have all the head knowledge and Pentecostal is a good revitalize your soul like you need to be on mission but I don't know if it's the best starting one to like where you really need mentorship you need theology you need the bible yeah. so I don't know if even you would start with Pentecostal but definitely have some in your belt later but I I heard a I heard a Baptist preacher preach one time he was like Pentecostals get them saved and we disciple them. <laughs> and I've never heard something funny. I was like, I was yeah, like, yeah, there you go. Yeah, but that's one way yeah. to look at it. And what's interesting Awanas, is man. I had a professor and he talked about the three um, lines, cultures of Christianity. And so one is the um, enthusiast tradition. Uh, one is the, which you'll see the Pentecostal movement. You'll see um, a lot of things throughout history. Elijah, Elijah, they never wrote anything, but they made a, spiritual or miraculous impact. So there's the enthusiast tradition. There's the liturgical tradition. You see this with Leviticus. You see this with the Catholic Church. You see this with Lutheran. You see the Anglican, this, you know, creedal statements, early church things. 
Um, and then there's the um, liter or prophetic or literary tradition where it's like you have the writing prophets, you have the Protestant Reformation, you have Isaiah, you have the, you know, the writing prophets things. And so there's three branches of Christianity, not branches, but like traditions that find its roots in scripture. And so part of it is what do you need? Right. Do you need something that's more academic because you're not an academic person? Like you're a very enthusiast person. Maybe you do need something like more liturgical to keep your head on straight or you need something like the literary pr prophetic tradition to like really get deep in the word of God. Or, you know, maybe you're very come from a liturgical background and you have no passion, you have no mission, you're not evangelistic. Then get something that aligns itself with the enthusiast tradition that really captures the heart of the Bible and that. So there's a lot of different directions you can go, but I like Jacob's answer. It's like whatever preaches the the big T's, right? The big tenets of faith, what's essential Christianity, and where you feel at home. And I think that that's the best mm. advice to where you start out. So yeah, um, a couple of the comments here, real quick. So astronomy too. So I think yeah, that was the commentary we were talking about, or I mentioned. Uh, well said, Jacob. I think this was for an earlier thing you said, but whatever you said, well said. Good job. That's it. Wave the hanky. Wave the hanky. We were preaching <laughs> up in here, apparently. Uh, quick, quick question. Uh, favorite gospel? Uh, and he says, besides John, because I guess you mentioned John. So maybe you really like John, but favorite John. gospel? Well, John. Okay, other John. than John, favorite gospel? No. It's still John. It's John. John is my favorite gospel. What can I say? Okay, I John. Love John, in the beginning was the word. The word was God. Skip a few chapters. The word became flesh. dwelt among us. It is the gospel message. In the gospel message. And it's just, I, I tell kids who, I tell okay. kids who want to understand who Jesus is to read John 1. Just read that chapter and you get a really good picture of who Jesus is. Um, and I just think it's super helpful. That and then the, the epistles, is it the epistles of John? The letters? Mm -hmm. um, I just John love, yeah, I love how it talks about God. Um, so, yeah, it's still John. Matthew, I, I appreciate the genealogies in Matthew um, because even though a lot of people hate them, uh, I appreciate them because some good it stuff gives in us, yeah, it gives us some, let's talk about the fact that um, which which lady is mentioned in the genealogy? Rahab, um, who was Rahab, a prostitute. The prostitute, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. And what that says about Jesus, right? What that says about mm. um, the God yeah. that we serve. Um, because and there was another woman that was Bathsheba. Like, uh, well, yeah, her uh, was it. Uh, we were just talking about the other week. I just can't remember what it was, but yeah, there's a lot of that. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, Tamar. Tamar, that's yeah, yeah. that one. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I that know. kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And uh, real quick, so I am very excited that the next biblical brainstorm will be at my house. Yeah. So I am. Well, I will be in Florida this coming weekend. So we'll have to. Yeah, this is a good announcement. Maybe at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> May, we we probably will not have biblical brainstorm next Tuesday night. We might have it a day earlier on Monday night mm -hmm. um, and stream it there. Whatever works, uh, because mm -hmm. I will be on a flight coming back here on Tuesday night. So obviously I couldn't stream it. So I'll, we'll probably do it a little a day earlier or so. But I will be over there. And Seth, you're coming down from Jacksonville, so we will do this mm -hmm. in person. We'll our have first our first in -person episode. In person episode of biblical brainstorm. Yeah. That'll be really fun uh, next, I guess, Monday or so, but we'll keep you updated on that, on the logistics of that. But that'll be really fun. Um, so she did say, she did say exiting. Uh, it's, a, it's a totally different meaning from exciting, Jacob. I did reading it as exciting. So the original question was, uh, 
Uh, do you have any exiting planned? Oh, <laughs> actually, oh my gosh. Uh, do you plan on going? Away? No, I'm just kidding. I think it, it's a typo, probably, but you know that's really that's funny that you comment pointed that pointed that out. Hear me? Yeah, yeah. Okay, my one of my AirPods just died, so I'm gonna keep it going. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Was there any more comments? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna. Okay, thanks for the answer, Pastor Jacob. Cool, cool. Yeah, I, and, and I know uh, interview and um he's really cool he he, he likes um me and him both like Athanasius too like he's he's posted a lot of cool things in the Bible study about Athanasius creeds and that that goes back to what you were saying John Juan the the word became flesh and dwelt among us and that goes back to the hypostatic union the whole stuff we we're talking about with yeah. the nature of Christ yeah mm -hmm. read John one it gives you a lot you need to know and then ask you know Athanasius an early church father talks a lot about that uh, he he defended the incarnation and, and the Trinity. At the time of heresy, so that's really cool. So, uh, is there any way to help financially support this channel? Really appreciate the content. Oh, thank you, man. Um, I guess Seth, you know you're you're good with that. So, um, if if you'd like to, um, I guess give you your I can give him your email address or something. I can send. Yeah, that. I know when we when we first started, uh, we were doing it through Souls Harbor, who's a official sponsor of the channel. Uh, you know, we've you know funneled all of the. Uh, the people that wanted to donate through the church. And then once that was that window of giving was done, they presented us with just one check with everything. Um, I know we probably will probably work on you know, having an easier route to support the channel pretty soon. Yeah, we haven't but planned say, anything. <laughs> honestly, yeah, we didn't put anything together yet for uh, financial support. But if you would like to, um, like you said, if you want to, you know, give them um, my email, I can give them, you know, mm -hmm. the, uh, direct everybody to Souls Harbor, and then yeah. they can give through Souls Harbor, uh, through our home church or my church. Um, yeah, and and I mentioned this too in the first episode. Like we're we're trying to do this like free. Like we'll even mm -hmm. if people give to the channel in the future, like we don't take a dime out of that. We won't ever like mm -hmm. I haven't ever you know even the little bit that came in from your church from when we started mm -hmm. this thing. Like th that's not yeah. ours. Uh, this is just a free ministry on the internet for working through biblical, you know, biblical brainstorm, brainstorming biblical mm -hmm. things, issues. And so, yeah, uh, honestly, if you, if you want to give, I, yeah, we haven't really yeah. set that up or even, even thought of it, but I guess as we grow, then, mm -hmm. you know, that, that is awesome that some people, you know, that got yeah. impressed that on your heart to, then yeah, we'll so, use it for, you know, Equipment, I mean, reaching we, out, we won't, we won't use the it message. For dinner. <laughs> no, yeah, we'll no, use it for good stuff. your Sunday morning tithes and offerings, church. Can you <laughs> but yeah, no, but if any, you do, if you do want to give, um, you know, like I said, I'll have Chandler, you know, give yeah, uh, some information, okay. but I'll show you how to give. Uh, we'll show you how to give through uh, Souls Harbor um, if you do want to. So, yeah, we can set that up for cool. you. Cool. And we'd use it for getting the message out there more with yeah. just spreading, yeah, yeah. marketing yeah, or spreading the message. Equipment, like advertising, that. you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, John is definitely Genesis of the New Testament. Yeah, I love that mm -hmm. quoting. And I actually watched the episode called The the Chosen. They had that little they had a thing on episode one of season two. Mm. That was pretty cool on that. Um, thanks, guys, for the great conversation. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. That's been awesome. Yeah, thank and you. Among Us. Yeah, I guess we keep... <laughs> <laughs> it's an inside joke. We keep saying Among Us and you know refers you know the game that oh, yeah, yeah. Among Us. We keep saying it though. Inside joke. 
Um, yeah, uh, if anybody has any last-minute questions, I want to be respectful of your, your time. We don't have any more as now, so um, as we're closing, if anybody has something real quick, you can just pop it in. Otherwise, I guess we'll just kind of mm-hmm. get some closing uh, remarks or anything. But uh, thanks thanks so much for joining us on here, Jacob. Like, yeah, dude, of course, guys. Um, yeah, I couldn't think of anybody better for our first interview to have because, you know, yeah. you're a friend of ours, college, we did the same experiences together um same kind of you know university had the mm-hmm. same journey growing up and with bible stuff and and re- you know going to we're both in grad school right now i mean we both all three of us studied theology and stuff so i mean that's yeah it's a pretty cool mm-hmm. journey to see you now land in ministry cool. and to join us on here as we're i guess we're both doing ministry now i mean yeah. we, we started this just two months ago right and then you've been mm-hmm. in ministry now 10 months and i moved here to texas like 10 months ago so it's been really cool to see all of us transition into adulthood and and ministry yeah. and new things so awesome it's cool it's to stuff, it's yeah. cool to to have friends who are running who you're running alongside you know what i mean yeah um and to just to see what you guys are doing i love i love this and and we need more stuff like this um i appreciate you guys uh, because you're you're tackling the, the difficult questions and a lot of people want to steer clear of those so mm-hmm. I commend you guys and thank you for having me on this. It's been such a fun time. I remember saying to you guys like, Hey, let's keep it to an hour, but we're I'm closing it on two. <laughs> oh hours. yeah. This <laughs> always and happens. It, and, it, <laughs> and it feels like we could go another straight. Oh yeah. Out. Easily. Yeah. But, so oh, yeah. yeah, Seth, any closing things? And then Jacob, if you want to have any closing things, I know somebody, you know, we have a couple comments. Great job guys. And thank you. Love you guys. And love you. It's my Donna. mama and my girlfriend's mama too. Shout <laughs> out to Lisa. Shout out Donna. So, all right. Well, yeah, just uh, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, I know it's uh, it's been a while since we've actually physically hung out. Uh, I know we got to hang out a little bit during the pandemic uh, when everyone was stuck at home, but uh, you know we'll have to hang out again, all three of us, hopefully soon. Yeah. But thank you for coming on and you know just kind of sharing some of your story and your insight. And uh, you know, hopefully we'll have you back on again sometime to yeah. tackle some other issues. We'll Interview with Jacob Carter, yeah. part two, at some point. Christianity with four wheel drive. We can go off road. Let's go. Maybe we can do this. I want to do this in person one day. Yes. Okay. Cool. Cool. It's such a blast. Let's do it. But thank yeah. you. Guys. Maybe yeah. maybe at Southeastern. Who knows? Well, you better hurry because I'm all, I'm only here for another uh, another week. <laughs> well, yeah. He'll let you back on campus. You're like alumni. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. see if my my card works still. I'll swipe it. <laughs> you still got those laundry credits? They don't. They don't charge me anymore. Oh. Okay. Oh. They don't. They don't. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Inside they, information. We, we, finag- we finagled the system. Is what we did. <laughs> AKA the system broke a while back, and they just it was never fixed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. Well, back. awesome, guys. Well, we'll end it here. We don't have anything else coming in. So, um, yeah. Thanks, guys, for joining us in. We've uh, you know a lot of comments. Uh, it's been great. Uh, thanks for you know joining in mm-hmm. and watching this uh with us this uh this almost like conversation among friends you know it's pretty yeah. cool all right well see you guys next week um probably on monday night so stay tuned and uh yeah we'll see you guys see ya love you guys